Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What? All right. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and do an intro. We'll just intro with Lee. Lee Her. Hello. God dang. How you doing, man? I'm wonderful, Jacob. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh... I don't know. I, I never do intros with guests. I usually I'm just in my own zone and I do them solo. So this would be different doing them with someone here. But just act like I'm not even here. You're, you're used to it. I'm invisible. Now, so. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll just go ahead. Um, on this week's episode, I have my good friend Lee Herr in, and we will talk about some stuff. Probably some <laughs> shotgun stuff because shotgun season just ended. Yep. And uh, you got a nice buck. He's I here did. on the table. I did. Yes. So we'll talk about him some some and. Yeah. I don't know, whatever else pops up, I guess. So, oh, it'll be fun. It'll yeah, be a combo. Yeah, it will. <laughs> and I'm the partners here that make the show go around. Mountain Ops. Code Victory, 20% off. Um, I've talked about Mountain Ops a lot, and I I just personally love their products. Do you use their, product, their products at all? Yeah, I use uh, Ignite and Greens. I take Greens every day. Oh, do you? Yeah. So, I'm not a... <laughs> this might be TMI, but I've always been like a digestive <laughs> issue type of person. Oh. And... I don't eat a lot of veggies or anything like that. I mean, my, my diet is meat for the most part or fast food when I'm on the road. Um, but like digestively it's helped me tremendously. And I, I had like a little weight loss deal. Uh, like, I don't know before in coming into both season, I was like, I'm going to, uh, try to lose a little bit of weight. Just, I don't know. I stepped on the scale one day and I was like, (laughs) where are you at? Uh, two sixteen, And I've always been like, I've always been like, uh, well, that could be my phone. Is it? I don't know. What? Background noise? No, oh. I have the mic, the, these microphones set too hot. Oh, gotcha. So you're, you're bleeding over on my gotcha. side. So, um, but no, I like, I mean, for my frame, that was a little on the high side and it's like 20 some pounds over what I've ever been. And I was like, I'm just going to not even try that hard. Just take some greens and ignite and eat a little bit better. And I dropped like 26 pounds. So oh, shit. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. So yeah, I take. Ignite and the greens. And my wife actually, uh, we were big energy drink people. Oh, yeah. Like every day, if one, if not two. Um, and she tried the Ignite, but it was a little too hot, like caffeine-wise. Mm. So 
she actually drinks the Ignite Light, which is half oh, the caffeine. Yeah. So. Uh, dude, I was drinking like two or three rains a day. Yes. Those are 300 milligrams each. I'm fucking, <laughs> dude, I was rocking <laughs> six to 900 milligrams of caffeine. But that's also, I was going through some issues um, personally. Uh, I don't know if you listen to those episodes, but I talk with my brother about it. We touched on it and I talked with Mitch Smith about like um, testosterone and stuff. Mm-hmm. So being a, a veteran and stuff, that's one huge uh, downside that I found out that I never knew before is that uh, <laughs> being in the military and the high stress environment and being deployed and all that shit can cause can cause a huge drop in your testosterone once you kind of come off of all that adrenaline and all that shit for however many years yep. and the lack of sleep and all that bullshit. There's a lot of stuff that came in, came to effect, but ended up being has low testosterone. So I started TRT and ever since then my caffeine intake has dropped dramatically because my sleep quality has gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. So I'm sleeping better at night. So I don't feel like I need as much energy, uh, caffeine throughout yeah. the day. So that's nice. But I do, I mean, I still, before I go to the gym in the mornings, I wake up and I use their, I use Yeti. Yep. So I, use, I was using Yeti mode for a while and I got done that. I'm like, I want to dial it down a little bit and use <laughs> Yeti. So yeah. I have some Yeti and I, have, I use Ignite and uh, I never use the greens though. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. Maybe I should. Do you eat a lot of vegetables? No. Yeah. I don't eat a lot of vegetables. I don't eat- <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. I'm mostly, I'm mostly mean. I'm actually going to go on the carnivore diet pretty soon here. Yeah. Kurt said something in the yep. group the other day about trying it. I, that's kind of what I did when I lost weight basically was... Mm-hmm. I basically just did the carnivore diet, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try it, see what it's all about. And uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm like 270. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I could lose a few pounds, but my kind of running joke is I tell my boss I'm trying to get up to 300 pounds so I don't have to climb anymore because it'll exceed the safety <laughs> for, the, on, on for the harnesses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, and then I won't have to climb anymore if I get over 300. He's like, fuck you, I'll get a different harness. I'm like, dude, you can't. That that's like get, what the rating that's is. The rating like you can't. That's the best harness on the on the market. And it's three hundred. I think it's three hundred fifteen pounds. But then when you, have to you ground weigh three hundred, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no tree stands either. What tree stands are most tree stands are rated for three hundred pounds. Hmm. Dilemmas. Hmm. Ladder stands <laughs> <laughs> with a little extra beam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You're, yeah, you got a point. Fuck, dude. I'm almost there. Almost fell out of a tree stand then. You're no. a, you're a large framed man though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a five foot eleven guy like me. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. You don't fucking. You didn't look too f- bad at two sixteen. Well, thanks. Yeah, but you didn't know me when I wasn't two sixteen. Hardly. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Hit the gym more, dude. Then two hundred yeah. pounds would look good on you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Start lifting heavy weights. <laughs> I always make the. Who's Jim joke when people say that? Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Mountain Ops. Code Victory. 20% off. Um, are they still doing... Is, we're, Kurt and them, they're still doing the... The, the hunger huge, thing? The hunger thing, yeah. right? Yep. The Conquer Hunger. Yeah. It's every um, every sale's meals. five meals donated, I think. Getting to 100,000 meals. Right. Every sale. So it doesn't matter if you buy something that's One 80, item or, 80 bucks yep. or something that's 30 bucks. Yeah, every I think every sales transaction's 5 meals donated and when they get to like 100,000 they're going to do like a conquer hunger thing and then yep. I think I mean I guess and, I, I I don't know 100% so I guess I shouldn't yeah. say but. and I'm like 90% sure that victory like my code also goes towards that yeah, I think we're it under does. the same umbrella same with yep. 
tackle and tacos, their code probably um, goes towards the the same deal because we're all under the WCB yep. umbrella. Yep. So use code Victory. Use code WCB. Use I don't know tackle and tacos code. Probably tackle or tacos. Do they have one? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think so. They do. I know they do, but I don't know what it is. Use code victory. <laughs> yeah. So go on Mountain House, find the cheapest item you can, load up the cart with it, and or like you know buy them. Success and use code victory twenty percent off of the cheapest item, and you're gonna give five bucks or five what, five right? meals. Five meals yep. per and it's item. No, I think it's per transaction. Okay, there you go. So find the cheapest thing, make multiple transactions <laughs> on that cheapest item. <laughs> support there we the, go. Support the hungry, right? So, what a plug! What a plug! Yeah. <laughs> I call I call Mountain Ops. I call all these all the well all three partners I have. I call them guilt free companies because they're just great people, especially Mountain Ops. Like they are really putting their money where their mouth is, helping the hungry, putting giving back what they've gotten. Yeah, I guess. they're really good people. That so, that podcast I did while they were in Utah really like solidified for me that they were they were a good company and like company right. that you know I tried other companies like that like energy replacement kind of stuff too but mm-hmm. i really like mountain ops first of all and what they do as a company you know that's that what that's what solidified me with using their products you know yep their yep. give back exactly me too honestly and I, I didn't really know that i didn't do a whole lot of research on mountain ops before but i was definitely of the mindset of like oh they're a westy brand and definitely you know <laughs> they don't like us fat midwesterners so like fuck them <laughs> it's kind of what i thought before uh definitely not the case they Correct. are awesome people uh really because man what's that story what's the owner's name i don't know so the t yeah i don't remember god bless america the owner the guy that's yeah the founder of mountain ops he's talking about his struggles and they went balls in like all in balls in all in on this uh like company or something it was like a franchise thing franchise thing like restaurants or something yeah i think and just got boned and went broke as can be basically yeah. and was yeah so they were in there in in the soup kitchens you know begging for food for them and their, yeah and they his were family, basically which is, yeah they were the hungry one yeah. you know so that's why he does so so much for that exactly and it's one of those things man as a man like that's Oof. emasculating you feel like you know, it's like the number one mission of a man is to keep your family safe and fed in a roof over their head yep you know so it's like when you have to go and like yeah, I, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from, luckily that's hard. I, I've never been in that situation, but I cannot freaking imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's one of those things too. He's a businessman, entrepreneur, and he's willing to take risks. And he took a risk on Mountain Ops too, because I think he started Mountain Ops to try to find like a supplement to help his dad with cancer. Or yeah, like that. I don't. I don't and it just branched out from there. But he's willing to take risks, and sometimes those risks pay off, like Mountain Ops, and sometimes they don't. Yep. But uh, I definitely that whole story is amazing, and I know you can tune in work class side and listen to that with their podcast when they're in Utah and all that good stuff. Uh, but also Grizzly code WCB for fifteen percent off. I know I'm not WCB, but we use the same code, yep. right? So <laughs> we're all in this together, as they would say. That phrase kind of got ruined during COVID, by the way. We're all in this together. Yeah, kind of <laughs> sucks because they're using that all over. Like, we're all in this together. Do what you do. What the government tells you because uh, we're all in this together. It's like, yeah, dang it. So now when I say, it, I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm a dirty little bend the knee. In. <laughs> I grew up in like when I was growing up, High School Musical. That's when that was coming out. You know that movie? No. Oh. You, I know of it. Yeah, I've never watched they, it. That's a, a song in that movie, so that's what I think of when, oh, okay. when somebody says that. God, that's uh, gay. Yeah. Well, here we are, you know. 
<laughs> That's where Zach Efron came from. Yeah, isn't it? Okay. yeah, that was like yeah. his first big movie. I mean, he is hot, so <laughs> makes sense. You know, <laughs> he's probably the hottest dude in Hollywood physically. If yeah, probably. totally, yeah. Un, totally not trying to be gay about this, but he's no homo. He's got, good, yeah. he's got good features. Yes. Anyways, um, Grizzly code WCB fifteen for or WCB for fifteen percent off. Uh, Grizzly Coolers, their uh, title sponsor of the show. Man, I'm not gonna lie, my, I love my Grizzly Cooler. I have it full of deer meat right now, actually, because I just got it from the locker, and luckily my locker gives them to be frozen, and they're still frozen. So that's nice. It's granted it's been cold outside too, so it's not really a, yeah. the best plug for grizzly coolers, I well, guess. It hasn't been that cold though. Yeah, <laughs> for December, like forty something degrees, almost fifty. It's not yeah, great. We took one to uh, we go to Canada fishing like every year, every other year, and we took one, um, and we it, we basically used it as a freezer. You know, didn't open it unless we had to, and we were there for seven days, and there was still giant blocks of like it had hardly melted oh, mm-hmm. in seven days. That was wild to me. Yeah, so I did a little <clears throat> test. I used my Grizzly 60. Um, when, what's that? Um, maybe it was Memorial Day last year. I think it was Memorial Day last year over the weekend. And I had some beers in it and some ice, and I just left it. And I just wanted to see how long mm-hmm. it lasts. I had it out in the sun, um, just sitting out there. And I think it lasted almost nine days. Yeah. Before well, the, and the water was still cool. Like, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't like ice cold, but... That's when I noticed that there's no more ice left, and uh, but the water was still cool, and I still drank the beer. It yeah. was not terrible. When we were in Canada, so. I mean, it was highs in the upper 70s, low 80s every day, mm-hmm. you know, and we were there for a week, and there was still, like I said, there was still solid blocks of ice in there, so yeah. they work yeah. wonders. They do. Great company. And also, when you're fishing, they got that fucking badass little ruler on the top of it. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. That's like a fisherman's dream right there. Like, hey, just throw it on top of the cooler. I'm, I'm sure there's other, other coolers that do it, too. But that's pretty nice. Yes. I like that. Um, I'm not a huge fisherman. Matter of fact. I used to be. I don't do it much anymore. Yeah. I just, my daughter wants it. She likes, she really likes fishing. So I should probably get more into it because she likes it. So I don't know. Maybe I'll fucking talk to Jordan Johnson and <laughs> see if he can give me some pointers. <laughs> just have to start listening to Tackle and Tacos yeah. more, I guess. Yeah. I've literally got one, <laughs> just one fishing pole and it's an ugly stick. And I just, I don't know. I just buy whatever fucking shit's at the <laughs> hooking a worm baby yeah i use the fake worms <laughs> poor <No. laughs> um yeah, yeah grizzly coolers great coolers made right down the street actually in decor iowa which yep. is also pretty sweet um also africa august 26th through september 3rd is my week so if you guys want to go go to africa let me know um are you going to africa this year i'm not not going this year son of a bitch i know I get it. We tossed it around a bunch, but um, I think, you know, like everybody said, I'm going to go once, you know, that's my initial mindset. That's so what gonna, everyone says, too. That's what all of ours was. Yeah, like, we'll go once and see what's all about. And, and I'm going <clears> to, <throat> just in case that ends up being that way, I'm going to save up a bigger lump sum mm-hmm. so I can shoot a lot more while I'm there. I just in it. case I do only go once. So I'll probably go in the next couple of years. You know, yeah. So I can save up a bigger chunk and I get it. So really, really run some arrows or some stuff. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Anyways, um, now that Lee's not going to Africa, but we are going to Africa back. We're going back to Africa because when we went to Africa, we all thought the same thing where it's like, hey, you know, one and done, once in a lifetime type of situation. 
uh, got out there and just fell in love. The place rules, dude. It's so cool. So is some of them probably the most fun you can have with your wife that doesn't involve sex. So that's pretty cool. Dope. Yeah, it's pretty sick, yeah. dude. She <laughs> loved it. I I obviously loved it, and she wasn't even. She was just filming and stuff, and she's like, "This is so fun." Yeah, I'll be curious to see you know when we go how how Jackie reacts because she's not. I mean, she's gone hunting with me like once or twice, and that's it. And she kind of is like. I'll go sit with you in the blind like once, you know, but she's like, I want to go like just drive around, like do a uh, safari basically and like see the stuff. Oh, yeah. Which I think, I don't, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how, we'll see how it goes. I'm guessing it'll end up where she's like, no, I think I'm going to sit in the blind, you know, being up close and personal. I think she'll like it more than she thinks, but I think so too, especially when you're seeing all these different animals coming through and even the ones that you're not going to shoot, man, watch them come in and do their thing. It's fucking pretty badass. So, uh yeah, August twenty sixth through September third. Contact me via Instagram or email at victory drive at victory drive pod at gmail dot com if you want to have any questions about Africa or Wyoming Bear Camp. I actually I'm not gonna lie, uh Wyoming Bear Camp is filling up fast. I don't know exactly how many slots we have. Um I do know that Trey he got a hold of us and he said that you know, if we have enough people sign up, then he's willing to extend it out for the next couple of weeks. So it, it'll be um, my week. It'll be May 27th through the 31st, but he will extend it out to the, like the first two weeks of June as mm-hmm. well for anyone else that wants to go. And we don't have any slots. We run out of space for that week. I think right now I got six people signed up for Wyoming. That's, I have done that one. You done? Oh, yeah, you did do yeah, that. Yeah, I went... Uh... Not this last spring, but the spring before, I think. Okay. How many, people, how many people were in, were in camp for that one? Uh, so we split the weeks. I went with uh, Doug, Eric, and Kurt, and we kind of split the weeks. I think they had like five each week. Okay. And then we were there like in the middle. We were there for like two or three days on both weeks and like one or two days in the middle. Okay. But <clears> – and you're – I enjoyed doing the bow thing. It's it's a gun camp, yeah. and you know, because they're not they're not trash can bears, no, like the Canadian bears, like they're they're bears, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're they're finicky, they're spooky. I saw one from a distance, um, but they could just tell something, you know, mm-hmm. they can tell, you know. So if you can sit back, you know, the high the success rate out there with a gun is could be substantial, quite higher. a bit higher than with the bow, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's cool to kill him with the bow, but oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's all cool, you know. It's just it's the big big country out there like that. It's just more conducive to rifles and stuff. Oh yeah, it's just just the way it is. Like Canada, like you said, they're trash. They're more of trash can bears. Yeah, and it's a lot closer quarters because the forest is a lot denser and thick. Yep. So bear comes in, it's going to be. Right probably there. either in range already or really damn, or damn close, close yeah with wyoming and stuff like that being out there in um open country fucking big country like wyoming it's like you know you see them from a few hundred yards away and then they just sit there yeah they just look yeah look and they can see so well so it's like yeah. yeah i can see how it'd be much more conducive for rifles honestly and I'm, that's one thing i'm super excited for but if you want to use your bow you still can yeah if you want oh, to absolutely um, it's just, I'm going to be taking a gun. I'll yeah. be taking my 30 out six. So and it was cool. Like while we were out there, you know, we had, you know, cause pretty much you only hunt them in the evening. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, we like, we walked around the mountains, looked for some elk sheds and 
I actually found a set of moose sheds while we were out there. So that was really cool. You know, so it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, like I say, you pretty much only hunt at night, but there's a lot to do during the day. Like, mm-hmm. I know some guys are going to be probably doing some, like trying to do some spot and stock out there too. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't know how many bait barrels we're going to have set up out there, but it, the thing with the Wyoming bear camp is we were talking to Trey we're like, Hey, you know what? Like five grand is kind of a lot of money, but he does such a good job where it's like, he has the horses, all the guides. It's a hundred percent guided hunt out there when before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were trying to figure out ways to make it a little bit cheaper. And Trey suggested, you know, Hey, we can do a semi guided drop camp type situation where I have, I go out there early. I'll, set up the bait piles and bait, um, you know, the cans and all that good stuff and have the tent set up and I'll just drop pins. They get out there to camp, do their own thing, bring your own food and there won't be any guides there. So it'll be more of a drop camp style. But, uh, I think spring bear hunting is kind of one of those things too, where having a guide is going to help. But at the same time, when they're coming out of hibernation, it's like kind of, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you don't, it's not like elk hunting where, you know, you go out there and they scout everything out and obviously they have things p- kind of pinned down, but he's going to drop a bunch of pins. So we have a good hunt and everything mm-hmm. else, but I don't know. I just don't know if you really need to be a hundred percent guided the whole time during spring bear. I could be wrong though. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would say is make sure you have a lamp to get your way out, <laughs> a headlamp, because <laughs> yeah. it gets real dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. The one night I, I sat a bait and, you know, went in, in the daylight, on the trail, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can get out. You know, if my headlamp happened to die, I want to see if I could get <laughs> yeah. out. And I started going, and I'm like, okay, I know that these all drainages lead to this main drainage. Yeah, make sure you have a headlamp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, when we're, uh, I went to Idaho with my buddy Justin Trees and his son. Mm-hmm. And it's the same concept. You know, when it gets dark, it's fucking dark. Dark, dude. dark. Yeah. It's dark. Uh, but we, we were heading out. We spent a few days out in the mountains and we just did like back, back country, pack everything in type of, mm-hmm. type of deal. We were walking out. We're like, all right, let's go back to the, the truck and kind of refit. We were making this big loop down and my phone was dying rapidly. And then it ended up dying like right before sundown. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, but I knew I got my heading. I'm like, just keep going on this ridge. And they'll pop out, and we'll walk a little bit further across this creek, and then the road is going to be right there. Mm-hmm. And we'll just hike it back to the back to camp. Dude, when it gets dark, it's like I don't know. I thought I was on the same ridge. Turns out we weren't, and mm-hmm. one thing led to another, and we we're fucking in the middle of sheep. And we're like, what? <laughs> what happened here? Yeah, dark is fucking dark out there. Oh, dude, it's nuts. And then we eventually made it down there, but it was, it was like I didn't have my map. Uh, well, I had a map and a compass, but. Uh, I mean, I don't know, not super. Actually, I did not have that. I like, I had a, I had a compass zone. I did get my, I did shoot an azimuth to where I was at. So if I get off track, I can shoot, kind of shoot a back azimuth. Try to just stay on course. But I didn't, ha- I did not have a map. That's one thing. I, after that experience, it's like I should probably get a, a topple map just to have in my pack. Yeah. But man, I don't know. We ended up getting down there, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. But it does get dark. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So Wyoming Bear Camp, uh, get it while it's hot. Because it looks like it's starting to fill up pretty quick. Um, and also, Huntworth, I haven't talked about them yet. They are another company that we work pretty closely with. Uh, man, that heat boost vest. I know the guys have been talking about that. Kurt's been rocking it like everywhere. Mm-hmm. You rock it all the time too, don't you? I don't have the heat boost version. I have the prior version. Okay, the non-heat but, boost. Yes, but still. But even, I mean, even the non-heat boost stuff is like... Mm-hmm. 
way warmer than anything I've ever worn. So I can't yeah. even fathom what the heat, heat boost is like. Oh, know? yeah. Dude, that, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. I've been so impressed with Huntworth, especially this past hunting season, because I didn't just go out and get it done the first set this year. So I've been hunting the whole season. Yeah. And, uh, man, dude, it's so nice. Like, I have, I've had some of the, well, when I say some of the more expensive stuff, I've had some of the more expensive stuff that was on sale because I'm poor. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to pay full price for a piece of hunting gear. Correct. Uh, I was always a mismatched camo guy. Oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's on sale. I'm going to wear that that yeah. brand and this brand and that brand. And this <laughs> <Yeah>. brand. <laughs> Dude, I had uh, for the longest time, actually, I just threw away not too long ago, uh, a pair of Walmart camo pants that mm-hmm. were fleece lined. I wore those when it was like negative 20. I was just freezing my dick off, <laughs> you know, just dealing with it. <laughs> then I started accruing some nicer stuff that I found on sale, like Shields and Fleet Farm and everything else. But getting this Huntworth, I'm like, holy fuck. I don't know if it's because it's all matching finally, but something made me warmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's because of the heat boost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, that shit is so nice. And it's not bulky. That's the no, one thing I love about it. When you layer properly and use it the way it's intended to be used, you're staying really warm and you're not bulking out like crazy. So when you're shooting your bow, you're not in the, I love how the sleeves when you're wearing, cause I was wearing my, uh, base layers, the, um, Shelton hoodie. And then I was wearing, I can't remember what the jacket's called, that jacket. And then, um, that warmer, that extra warm jacket. I can't remember what the fuck it was, but it got pretty cold. And I was sitting doing an all day sit when it was really, really cold. So I want to say warm and man, even with all like completely layered out, I still had no problem like clearing the string when I was mm-hmm. shooting out, shooting with it because yeah. the sleeves come down, they kind of taper down yep. into your cuff. I'm like, that's fucking nice. Phenomenal. It's real nice. So Huntworth, code WCB15 to save some money off them. All right. Now to the action. different intro there yeah a little, <laughs> a little bit different, different for your listeners yeah yeah i had someone to talk to finally <laughs> so that helped out a lot made uh what would have been probably a maybe 10-ish minute intro into 25 minutes so yeah, here we are that's, that's fine. fine that's part of the fun though yeah it's nice doing that that's that fun thanks yes. dude you're welcome <laughs> so lee uh let's start with um let's start with how you became basically another co-host right that's is that your title now? No. You're there just, all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm there all the time. Not <laughs> so a co-host. I just, WCB, I'm there all the time. WCB frequent, frequent, <laughs> yeah, frequent flyer. flyer. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, man, I don't know. I just, uh, oh, it was like a year and a half ago now. Well, two two hunting seasons ago when I killed Junk Brow I, and my, my uh, bow buck that year. Uh, through Grapevine, I ended up getting an episode and I don't know, I guess I just clicked with the crew and. Was that, was that day one? When you did that episode about Drunk Brow with Josh? Yeah, that was my first first ever time meeting everybody. Oh, no well, shit. I mean, I, I'd met him at like Iowa trade show and that kind of stuff, but first oh, okay. episode was my Junk Brow episode, yep. But, I mean, was that the... So, when you met him before, 
did it was it just like you met him like hey how's it going cool see you later kind of thing yeah or? i mean kind of trade show talk you know okay talked to him a little bit hung out like went went to the bar after the trade show but not like big in-depth conversations you know okay well, that's fucking cool <laughs> I, didn't know that. I guess i thought i thought you knew him a little bit longer than that for some reason no nope uh first time i ever met everybody and pretty much everybody in person was the iowa classic that year okay yeah Would have was been i there that year uh i don't think so no i don't think you were was i not there i mean if you were i didn't i think i did miss the first iowa classic after like meeting them because when i went to the no i thought i went to that one what year was that that would have been no 20 no that i killed him in 21 oh you killed him 21 well fuck i was there then you just don't remember me i guess i just you don't know how I forget me, somebody like you, Jacob. <laughs> no. And it very well could have been that you just weren't there when I walked out. I might you know? not have been there. That very well could <laughs> yeah, have been. Because that, that, I mean, that was before Victory Drive and stuff. So I didn't like hanging around the booth that much because yeah. it was so fucking busy. I'm like, well. Stupid busy. I'm not going to sit here and waste space. So Ashley and I, we walked around quite a bit during those those trade shows. We'd pop in and say, hey, talk a bit and yep. see if they needed any help with anything else. But when it started getting busy there, I'm like, I'm backing out because I don't want to be a hindrance here. So, right. you know, we're just not, we're not going to take up space. There's other people that need yeah. to get in there and get their time in. So we just would back out a lot of times. But um, so, like last year was the first year for trade shows for me as like part of the, yeah, as victory drive, yep. Jacob Johnson type of deal. So, and even then everyone's like, who the fuck are you? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no <laughs> Some reason, big burly fellow. No reason to know me, do you? I guess, you know? <laughs> But last year was uh, much more of like uh, getting to know how the, how trade shows work and the kind of the back end of all yeah. that shit. And then this year we're going to hit them pretty hard. And I'm come, excited for this year. I think it's gonna, yeah, it's coming up fast, dude. It's coming up too fast. Yeah, I mean like, it's. Yeah, I still have a fucking archery tag in my pocket. I'm like son of a bitch. Oh my <laughs> shit, gosh, shit, shit. I, I'm so nervous. I, I I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but it's like. I'm starting to get pretty negative, but well, that's how my season was last year. Yeah, it, it's it's tough, but I I've it'll, it'll I've, change. Ever since I started um, bow hunting, I've just been an every other year guy. I killed my first year. I'm like, nice. Second year, skunked. Third year, killed. Yeah, cool. Fourth year, skunked. Last year, killed. This year, to be determined. To be determined. <laughs> it, it's dude. It's way harder. I mean, I know listeners know this, but it's way harder to kill every year than what people think. Like there's a lot of people that do every year, but it, I mean, it takes a grind and a lot of time in the tree and it's not easy. No, dude. No. How do you feel about um, certain people uh, that maybe they're from a different state? Maybe they're from Michigan or maybe they're from like Pennsylvania and they're like, man, if I lived in Iowa, I'd be killing booners every year. (laughs) I think they're full of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when people say that, I just want to say, we'll do it then. Yeah. You know, prove it right. to me. Well, then they'll make excuses like, well, I'm only going to be there for a couple of weeks because I'm not going to move there. Well, it's like, well, stop making excuses. If you before think you, you can do it, move here and do it then. Yeah. You're <laughs> making excuses before you even do it. You exactly. Know? I hunt a lot. You know, don't get me wrong. I hunt a lot and I've gotten more picky as the years mm-hmm. have gone on, you know, um, but it just ain't that easy. You no, know? dude. You, well, okay. So it, Booner, we're talking 170 typical, right? That's Booner? Yep. Okay. So we're talking 170. Well, uh, let's just take it down another notch here. To kill a 150, mature 150 plus every year, dude. It's hard. It's honestly like a needle in the haystack. Yeah, and there's so many 
you know, outstanding factors. Like the last couple of years where I'm at has just been ridiculed with either EHD or dumb shit. Other people, as easy as to say that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, between EHD and that, like I just, I've had a few bigger than that mark, but just non-consistent because of other outside pressure and, yeah. and found an insane amount of dead deer. And you're sending some, we found, Messages that you're finding, yeah, left and right, dude. During shotgun season this year, we found 21. And serious, we, we push a lot of river bottom ground, yeah, and the grass is to your nipples, right? And that's just what you walk within five yards of that you see, you know, because <laughs> it was cold enough that there wasn't much scent, you know, because mm-hmm. it was all frozen. But it was, yeah, I think we got ridiculed pretty hard, or not ridiculed, we got hit with it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a couple years, and we got hit two years ago, and it's yeah. Well, in uh, correct me if I'm wrong, EHD that typically affects like mature deer more, or is it just I've always, I've always notice been, it more? I think people notice it more when it's okay. mature deer because it's like, oh no, there's my big five year old, he's right. laying dead, you know. That's but really I've all always, you see from like the post and stuff, right? There's and like I've big always bucks that are dead, so. and you do notice bucks, you know, you hear about the bucks more, but I, I've always been told. And I, I would say I've noticed it as well that you see more bucks dead from EHD than you do does. Uh, I think part of that is, is that's what people pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think um, it has something to do with like in the summertime when typically those midges are biting, bucks are bachelor grouped up where you don't really see your family group of does as much as you do like in the wintertime. Mm. You know, usually it's mom and a fawn come out together. Mom and two fawns come out together. You don't see like the groups of 10 or 15 does in a line coming out in the summer. So I think that's why you see, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, more bucks with it. And I think this year, especially in Iowa, you know, in the areas that I'm at, I think we're going to see a lot more, um, late dies from EHD. Um, I've got a cousin whose grandpa owns a, a pretty good farm down in Southern Iowa and his cousins killed two during shotgun season. And one of the side effects of like, well, at least what I was told was their hooves will shuck. Like if they're a survivor of EHD, they'll lose, they'll lose their, their hooves. What? No shit. Yeah. Huh. I, I, I put a, um, called the DNR, put a mercy kill on a doe during, first season because she couldn't get up she didn't have any hair from her shoulders to her hooves and her hooves were starting to fall off and i called him i'm like hey i came across this doe i think something's wrong with her like i don't want to tag her and eat her because you know this don't look good and he's like that's fine you know mercy killer tell me where she is i'll come look at her and he's like were her hooves like messed up like starting to fall off or breaking off and i i said yeah and he said Mm -hmm. he said something along the lines of well that's kind of what we're seeing with the ehd deer that people are finding still alive or later Um, and, uh, long story short, my cousin's cousins, they killed two deer during shotgun season that had hooves that were shucking. They walked out into the, into the food plots with like, and they were limping on their hooves and the one had just nubs. He didn't even have hooves on the front and they'll, they won't grow back. Right. They're they're just fucked. They're on on stubs after after that. Yeah. And they shot him and, and actually that deer. It had like black lungs, like its lungs were what? black, and yeah, it was strange. <laughs> I got the black lung pops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, I mean, knock on wood, I'm wrong, but I think yeah. we're gonna, you know, the areas that are hit are gonna see it a lot later into the year. I think. Then. Damn, dude, that yeah. sucks because when uh, when I went down to southern Iowa to 
hunt with Derek and his group. I wasn't hunting. I was just record like filming and stuff, mm-hmm. which I was also, I get why cameramen are like this rules because it was fucking fun. It's just get, as much fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When you get it on footage, you're like I fucking got that dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, great job. Like it's pretty awesome. It's, it is a good feeling. So I do get why people film now. I, before I was like, I don't get that, dude. I'd rather do the kill. I did you know? it for a long time. I filmed for a guy that hunted for hunter specialties for like five or six years. Okay, and it. What my, have you done, dad, Lee? What the fuck, dude? I've done a lot. <laughs> You've done a lot. My my dad was like, why Why are you wasting your time behind the camera? Like, blah 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 blah. And at the time, I was like, it, you know, it's it's just as cool watching the arrow run through him when you're looking through a viewfinder. Oh uh, yeah, dude. Well, like Josh Sparks, um, uh-huh. that used to work for Jury. He 100 percent would almost rather. Film a deer die than killing himself. Dude, I'm not He's been lie. that way forever. I, I kind of get it because, I mean, well, to those people that are like, well, why'd you want to be behind the camera? It's like, do you watch hunting shows? Like, well, yeah. Like, do you enjoy them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can now imagine being there and yeah. doing the, like, yeah. the, fin- like, the product, like, the, what you're seeing on TV. Imagine being the guy that does Recording that. It. Like, that's pretty badass, yeah. honestly. I've, I've, so. I filmed, like, I don't know. Three or four kills is all in that amount of time that actually made it on DVD, and it's so cool. Like being Dude. like, I remember taking that footage and like one of the primetime bucks DVDs um, that Hunter Specialty used to put out. Okay, there's some of my footage in one of the intros, and oh, it's, nice. it's a buck just r- destroying a cedar tree. And every time I would see it, I'm like, ah, I film that, that <laughs> you know. Me, so I get it, you know. Yeah, I, it's not my thing anymore, you know. But right. Like but, Josh is, he's always been that way. He passed a deer like oh, we were early in our college in college, and he had a giant come into range, and he he was self him and couldn't get on camera, so he didn't shoot it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, you're nut. Like, <laughs> well, but he was like, this is the path I want to take. Yeah, you know. Well, and those and those guys too, they're really dedicated to the camera because it's like you hear that all the time with bow hunting and bow hunters like, oh, you just need to fully dedicate yourself to the bow kind of thing, and blah 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 blah. It's like. Same thing with guys that want to film shit. It's like you have to really dedicate yourself oh, yeah. to the camera. And I, yeah, I mean, I've heard those stories of people like, like there's too low light. Like I could have shot him, but it's too low light for the camera, or he wasn't in 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 um in frame in frame. Yep. So it's like I'm not gonna take that shot because I want him on camera. It's like there's for them. It's like there's no point in killing if it's not gonna be on camera. Right. So it's like I get that, and that's cool. Yeah, not my, not, not my cup of tea. <laughs> I did my filming, and that was fun. I'd so much rather have a tag in my pocket. Yes. You know, I'd still much rather do that thing. So, yes. um, I guess way long tangent. What I was getting at is when I went down there with Derek and stuff is that, uh, we just weren't seeing the deer that they were used to seeing. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm a, they said the same thing. We're like, like EHD, you know, we didn't find anything like any dead bucks or that were like that. We found a couple does that were dead, um, you know, near water and stuff, especially, and we're like, well, you know, probably, um, yeah. but we didn't see anything too wild and crazy. We didn't find 20 fucking one. That's for sure. Yeah. But it's still one of those things where deer numbers were just not what they were used to. Yeah. So they were talking to like, well, maybe we'll get this farm a, a break next year and we'll go hunt other places and mm-hmm. stuff. So get that farm, maybe get them to another year or two to repopulate come back and, and come comfy. back in yep. yeah, and get the, get the age structure back in there that they wanted to see. So I'm like, that's cool. And <laughs> So that's one thing too. Hearing from a lot of people, there's like gun hunters just want to fucking kill everything, like fuck the deer and all that shit. It's like being there with them. It's like we killed a lot of deer, but we're covering 
lots of acreages, mm-hmm. like huge acreages. Yeah. And they were sitting there, they're being introspective that people, like some people like to poo poo on gun hunting, but they don't have any type of introspection. They're not, they don't care about the deer herd, or the quality of deer. This group did. And every other group I've ever hunted with, I always did. Like everyone wants to shoot big bucks, whether you have a gun or a bow. It's just gun hunters generally do shoot smaller deer because they have a shorter window of window. Yeah, you see to, them for hardly any time at all. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you have a week in Iowa. You have a week during or one weekend during guns first gun. Then you have two weekends during second gun. And mm-hmm. most guys I know only hunt the weekends because they're yep. just busy. Yep, doing other shit. So when it gets to the end of the line for season they're like well i want deer to eat so i'm going to shoot something yeah so that's generally where that comes from i guess probably yeah my views on the whole gun season thing it's it all depends on who you are where you are and what group you are you know it's the bad apples make it look bad for everybody and don't get me wrong there's bad apples everywhere you know and Mm -hmm. and i think there is a, a, a big stigma around that in iowa but you know the the I don't care whose fence line it is. I'm going on that side kind of people. The We shoot at everything running. We shoot every deer that moves. Like, I think that's fading away as people have become more in, ingrained into hunting certain deer, you know? Um, but, like, you know, I do it every year. You know, I'm a diehard bow hunter, but I go back and I shotgun hunt every year. <clears throat> and this is, you know, this has been talked about in a couple podcasts recently, you know, yours and Kurt's talked about it a little bit and, and there was that big rant on the bow hunters page and, you know, people are like, it doesn't take any skill and blah, 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 blah. I will say bullshit to that a hundred percent because, and first of all, not every group is just going to, we killed three bucks this year and that's it in my yep. group of 18 people yep. we killed three deer because we noticed the herd numbers were down. Let's, let's back off of them. You know, the one guy, he always shoots like a, a 120. He's been that way forever. He's going to shoot the first nice buck that comes by him. And the other two bucks we killed were that, that velvet buck. Um, oh, yeah. He's fucking cool. Yeah. And then my buck. And, <clears throat> you know, people say it doesn't take any skill. doesn't take any knowledge of the of how deer move. And I, I'm going to call bullshit to that because the two other bucks we killed, me and my dad sat down on a map and put together a drive to kill those two deer. And we yes. killed those two deer. And they ran. And this, you know, this might be a high horse moment, but they ran where my dad and I said they were going to fucking run. Uh huh. And we killed them in those spots and set up the drives to kill those deer. Dude, I, I'm okay. First of all, 100% ingredients. Um, I think I've talked that before on the podcast as well, where it's like it does take skill to do a deer drive. What people don't see is the planning beforehand. What people don't see is the, the, around the truck talks like when people are driving by and they see a bunch of orange in a wood lot that all they see is a bunch of fucking dumbasses walking through the woods being idiots shooting at running deer it's like okay from the outside looking in that's probably what you see sure i'm not saying that's not what you see but from the inside from inside the gun camp that is just not how it is like there is a lot of introspection there's a lot of planning there's a lot of guys with a lot of years pushing the same ground where they're like these deer run this way or that way like this is, they they get to know the deer they just might not maybe not in some groups they might not know specific deer because mm-hmm. maybe they don't run trail cameras but they know the deer. the deer go yeah they know the deer in that in those yep. areas and it's like dude to say that there is no skill to shoot running deer with a fucking gun too it's like fuck you dude that does first of all that does take a lot of skill to do ethics you can argue that all you want well sure. that's that's where i would say my group 
I would say 95% of the people in my group will not shoot a running deer. Okay. You know, if the buck that is coming, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few of us that will like, but like me, my dad, my sisters won't. I'll shoot running deer. Like I would, if they were like mm-hmm. chip shot, but you know, I'm not going to shoot at one running at a hundred. Well, I had an opportunity this, this year, you know, after I had killed this buck, um, did another drive. Um, and I had an opportunity to shoot at a deer at like, Oh, probably 200 yards. Yeah. And substantially bigger than the buck I killed. And he was running at like 200 and I pulled up and I'm like, man, I just, I couldn't get myself steady, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't do it. You know, I'll shoot running deer all day. I don't, I I will do it because for one, it's what I I grew up doing it for two. I do. I used to do, and I still try to do a lot of bird hunting. It's the same concept. Right. Yes. And also on top of that too, I've never, I've never lost a deer with a gun that I've hit. Yep. And I've never seen but maybe two deer that got hit with a gun during gun season get lost. That didn't end up, you know, my entire life. We've we've had it where And we're talking pretty good sized groups. And for those guys too that say like gun hunters don't go out there and check for blood if they hit something, you're fucking fuck you. That's it's not the true. same thing. It's, it's just a bad the, apple thing. It's a bad apple thing. And there's bad apple boners. So I know bow hunters same won't do it too. Thing. Yep. I, knew, I know a good amount of boat like I know a few, more than a few boners that do the same fucking thing. If they, ah, that's a bad hit. Yeah. He's going uh, to uh, live. I, I, I shouldered I did, I him. I know man, no man's yeah. land him. He's going to live. Yep. Don't I know man's land him. Yep. yep. I, I, I shouldered him. It didn't go, it didn't, there's no way it went past the scapula. He's fine. Yep. Like, mm, do you know that? Yeah. Do you know that for sure? Well, not. So all I'm saying is that there's, uh, there are, like you said, there's bad apples in every group, no matter what it is, but also on the running deer thing. It's like, I don't, and, Okay. Let me rephrase this. There are running deer I will not shoot at. Yes. Like you said. We all have our own, um, I guess, uh, ethics window mm-hmm. of range and stuff. Like, you know, 50 to 100 yards, depending on how fast he's going, I'm good with that. Um, when you're talking about past 100 yards, it's like, that motherfucker better be walking. You know, yeah. if I'm going to shoot at anything moving. Yeah. Otherwise, stopped. But um, out to 100 yards, like, I mean, even at 100 yards, if he's running Mach 10, I'm not shooting. There's right. no point in it. Yeah. But if they're at 30, 40, 50 yards, which is right in our side of our wheelhouse, when you're pushing deer, that's what you try to get them. You try to get them as close to the posters as possible. You know, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards while they're running pretty quick. Dude, that's not a hard shot to make. Well, and well, this is if where... You're, if you're doing a lot, it's right. not a hard shot to make. And this is where I will say your knowledge of how the deer use it. And I'm going to make a claim here that I'm not a hundred percent sure. I believe <laughs> kind of a Kurt moment here, you well, know, that's podcasting. Dude. I'm saying it because I don't, I don't, I feel this way now because I just got outside, but I think it takes more knowledge of how deer use ground to kill them with the shotgun than it does during shotgun during drives than it does with a bow. Yes. I would agree with that. And I, like I said, I don't know that I a hundred percent agree with that right now, or I do right now, but like it depends because I, w- I mean, the way we set up our drives, we know where the deer, they're going to bust this hill, they're going to hit this bottom, and they're going to balk. They're going to hold up there until we the pushers get the next ridge closer. So that's where we set up, where we know, and from years of experience, that this is where the deer, we call it mill, you know, this is where the deer, they're going to bust this hill, and they're going to be far enough away from the walkers that they're going to mill around right here. They're going to stand here. Yeah. They're going to calm down. So that's where we set up our blockers. And we've changed how we do our drives every year, you know, every year we've Mm -hmm. really done a lot of it in the last few years as, as I've gotten older and like 
got new mindsets into our group and like, uh, you know, my opinion has more weight now than it did when I was a kid in the group kind of thing. Right. Yeah, for sure. So we, I mean, every, every time we push something, we do something a little different because how we saw it last time Mm -hmm. and my claim on, you know, I guess we can go into the story of my deer here. There's a spot that we know the deer are going to cut across there every year. Mm -hmm. So we changed how we blocked it. So somebody could be there, and it just happened to be me because I, I set up the walk or the blockers that drive. You're like, I'm, I know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> the deer bust over the ridge right here every year, and they never mm-hmm. make it to where we block. So let's change how we blocked it so we have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I think, <clears throat> yeah, like I said, that's a bold claim, but I think that's where where it. I don't, I don't really even know so, how to phrase this. So I, I know what you're saying, and I, I, I'm with you. I agree. But also disagree same time where it's like when you're bow hunting. I disagree with myself on that. Yeah. Statement, but. <laughs> it is a bold statement. I would say that it takes a lot more knowledge on how deer use the landscape when they get busted or bumped or when you know yes. the escape routes. I think they're how how deer use terrain to escape to escape that takes, takes more out, knowledge. Yes, and when you're talking natural movement, <clears throat> um. It takes a lot of knowledge, but at the same time, it's like there's so much guess and check because you can't really control what deer do. You know, right. even when you're pushing, you can't control what they do. But you generally, have a general idea. you have a general idea when you're setting up escape routes and stuff like that. You see it year after year and everything else. And yeah, I mean, it just takes a lot of time. Just like bow hunting takes a lot of time to figure out where they're going to be walking. But I mean, let's be honest if you have a really tight funnel, in a really good like food source from a bedding area, and you have a really tight funnel, like just pure picture perfect setup mm-hmm. for bow hunting, right? It's like you just got to put the time in and yep. make sure you're not, you don't fuck it up. Yep, and they're gonna come by, right? With um, deer drives, it's just a completely different scenario where it's like they generally take the same ish escape routes every year because they know what's safe and that's mm-hmm. just what's it's worked for them in the past. It's worked for them in the past, and as you kill them on those escape routes, they will adjust. And they'll change. So you're you have just had to be so much more, in my opinion, adaptable to the situation year after year when you're especially when you're hunting the same areas yep. and doing deer drives. So I get what you're saying. And I, it's like I can agree, but I can also disagree. Yeah, you know? right. like I said, so I it's like it just <laughs> what all we're saying, bottom line is when you're conducting deer drives, it's not just a bunch of fucking dumbasses walking through the woods that have absolutely zero thought. There are, there are, there, there are. are those ones, but that's not everyone. Right. You I would say the generalize. majority of people are not that way though. And that's why I hate generalizing no matter what. Yep. <clears throat> you know, no matter what, no matter what group of person you're talking about, I hate, I try to stay away from generalizations because it's just like, you are just, if you're generalizing, I feel like that's a lazy way to yeah. form an opinion. If you want to actually form an opinion, you need to submerse yourself in whatever you're trying to talk about right you know so right. if, if you never conducted a deer drive you probably don't know so maybe you shouldn't formulate such harsh opinions without knowing right, right? so and like i said i'm on i'm on both sides of the fence there because i do it but the only re literally the only reason i do it is for the hunt camp aspect yep. hunting with my family i'm the only person in my bo- family that bow hunts anymore my dad used to just he doesn't do it anymore because he's too busy mm-hmm. so it is the camaraderie thing why i still do it do I hate the amount of pressure it puts on the deer that I hunt yes. throughout bow season? 100%. 
you know, but Especially it's, if you're trying to hunt late season, right? You know, exactly. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, and everybody says like, I understand the tradition side, but it's the tradition side, you know, I do it so I can spend time with my family in the timber. Um, like I said, do I hate it? Yes. But do I enjoy it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't, I definitely don't hate it. I like it. I enjoy it. I think it's fun. Well, I, I think it's I a good the, time. The pressure, it, the stress sure. it adds on the herd. From so that there, aspect, there's you pros know? and cons to all of that though. Yep. You know, it's like, if you're if you're a bow hunter, it's like yeah, it pressure is your enemy. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent pressure is your enemy. But when you're hunting, when you're gun hunting too, it's like I don't know. Um, for me personally, it's like the pressure on the deer. Um, it does suck, and I do agree with that. But at the same time, it's like the the tradition, the hunt camp vibe, like all that stuff. It supersedes it. Yeah, hundred percent. And when people say that, like when they're like, I understand that, but I understand that. But it's like, no, that is, I would say for everyone involved, that's 95% of the, the why they do why it. They do it. Yep. 90, at least 95%. Yep. The other 5% is killing the deer and um, maybe shooting a big buck. Yeah. Like honestly, in a lot of camps I've been in, shooting big bucks comes secondary. Everyone wants to see a big buck go down, but no one gives a fuck who shoots it. Yep. At every camp I've ever been in, Yep. no one cares who shoots it as long as a nice buck gets shot and they're super stoked with it. That's why... Kurt's talked about it. That's why there's the we factor. Yep. Like we shot a nice buck or yeah, we shot this many deer or we did this. It's like, cause it is a team effort. Bow hunting is so singular. Yep. I did this. You know? And it's, you know, my group, we're that way. You know, I'd rather see, you know, to be honest with you, I'd rather this deer ran to my sister and watch my sister shoot it. Who was sitting next to me. Yeah. You know, and watched her shoot it. Like I, I'm the youngest person in our shotgun group. Um, I think I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest male in our shotgun mm-hmm. group. How old um, are you? 29. 29, okay. Yep. And like my sister, she'll walk a few drives here and there, you know, but I know the timbers better than any other person in our group because I spend the most time in there during both season. You know, and it's it's a lot of effort. I walk almost every drive. The only reason I was sitting those drives, to be 100% honest with you, was I had the shits that morning. Oh, and I was shit. afraid I okay. wouldn't be able to walk without shit in my pants. Dude, that's tough go. <laughs> so I'm going to call him the bubble gut buck. <laughs> But throughout the five day first season of shotgun, I walked, I walked 52 and a half miles in five days, 52 and a half, 52 and a half miles, yep. 112,345 steps mm-hmm. in five days. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of fucking, miles, that's a dude. lot of walking. Yeah. So and I'm the youngest. Wait, five so I, days, 52. Yeah, that's yeah. It's I mean, like a little almost, over 10 miles a day. Yeah. It's like 10 and a half basically yeah. roughly. That's about what we did. Well, yeah. That would be, do, that would be 10 and a half miles. Yeah. I just didn't do the full five days cause I had to go back to work. Yeah. But we put on. <laughs> One day we put on 12 miles, another day we put on, I think, almost 10, and then one we put on 10, almost 11 miles. So it's like, yeah, yeah right, right in there. I just didn't hunt the full five days. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I'm the youngest, so like we, oh, push, yeah. we push a lot of river bottoms. So I walk the river, the big, mm-hmm. long, we call them tits, where the river makes a big bend. Mm-hmm. The big, long swings, you know, you know, but. I call them oxbows. Well, an oxbow is where the river we used to run. Right. That's what we call them. Where the river used to run? That's an oxbow. Like, if you look That's on a map. It goes like this. Woop. Well, I mean, <laughs> this really doesn't matter. But, like, <laughs> okay. an oxbow definition is, like, an old riverbed. So, like, when you see bullshit, on a map. Bullshit, Lee. Uh, motherfucker. Fucking bullshit. Look right, it up, all right? I, well, I got my phone on airplane. We'll look <laughs> yeah, it up okay. afterwards. We'll look it up afterwards. And, <laughs> guys, yeah. During this time, you guys also look it up, so we're all on the same page now. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm not going to come back and uh, revise the story. Correct. So, anyways, Oxbow, or but yeah, tit, so sorry, uh, yeah, I walk, I walk 
all the tits and so I, like, I walked the farthest. I like tits better though. Yeah, because they look nice. like they look like tits. <laughs> as dumb as that sounds, they look like tits. <laughs> okay. So you're walking the tits. Yeah. So I walk. I mean, I walk my ass off every year. You know, I'd ha- I'd have had well, I had half a day of sitting too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a lot of walking, a lot of work, and you know, you were talking about how you'd rather you know doesn't matter who kills the deer like all the old guys in our group walk because they'd like to see the younger kids which we're not all none of us are really young anymore mm-hmm. um but like to see them be successful you know like they're like i've hunted and killed more deer than you so you have the opportunity you know yeah but well it's kind of one of those things too um the older ones of the group they're gonna i mean it doesn't matter how old you get they're still going to look at you like a little kid. Oh, no yeah. matter what. Because that's how they remember you. They've been your mentor. So it's never going to get old for those guys to watch, like you, even though you're 29, you're yep. a full fledged man with the family. You know, it's still, it's still never going to get old. Yeah, it's still never going to get old for them watching this this kid fucking shoot deer like Hilly Lee. And that's, brother. that's kind of funny because, like, so for me, it was a struggle once I became like one of the men. And not yeah. a kid. Like last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've pretty much walked. I mean, I've, I've been part of the Walker group and like decision making, you know, everybody else in my group is pretty much a five day hunter. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of us that bow hunt, but I'm about the only one for the most part, you know, pretty much everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, so as far as decision making, I've been, I've been helping partially with that since I was like 16 on like how to do drives and when. Well, um, I mean, okay. So you hunt first season, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, bow season goes right up to it. Yeah. So like, leave where the deer at. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right over I get deer. a lot of text messages from the people in my group. The two week, two weeks leading two wow two weeks leading up. Like, all right, what deer do we have? Like, <laughs> yeah. which and my group's pretty good. We're all like, even though they're shotgun hunters, they're all about we're we're about killing mature deer. Mm-hmm. You know, we there's a few of us that like it's their tag. I'm gonna shoot what the hell I want. You know, okay. but for the most part, our group is like I don't want to shoot it unless it's bigger, mature. Just like bow hunters, you know, we're not your typical orange army group. So I get the text messages of like, okay, send me a picture. What deer shouldn't, what deer shouldn't I shoot? You know, that if it runs by out of this timber and mm-hmm. blah, or what deer, you know, what's a mature deer? What's an old deer? Um, you know, so I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah. <laughs> Talk out either. <laughs> oh, well. Oh yeah. But I was going to say the struggle of like oh. me transitioning into like one of the men of the group. Oh yeah. There we go. Yep. It took a lot of years. And honestly, like a couple like really hard headbutting type situations oh. for me to be like, listen, I'm not a fucking kid anymore. Like, yeah, I know this better than you do now. So like mm-hmm. no disrespect, but sit down and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know what? In every pack, there comes a time where the young one is a certain little dominance here and there, you know? And it is. So. It, my dad and I are really bad. We're, we're those people we're so similar that it's not good when we don't oh, agree. Yeah. Like, we'll fight just to fight, even though one of us gets to the point where we're like, oh, I know I'm wrong. We're still fighting. We're still oh, arguing yeah. about it, you know? Dude, I had one of those moments with my dad um, a few years ago. It was over rummy. <laughs> you know the you know rummy yeah the game rummy yeah yep. okay so we're arguing arguing over rules i can't even remember what rules we were arguing over but it was just a conflict and i'm like dude I- i'm not backing down from this mm-hmm. it's so dumb but <laughs> it's it, so stupid. looking back on it it's one of those things where i'm like i'm glad i did because it's one of those things where i'm like i'm not a fucking kid anymore i've been to war and shit dude like come yeah. on <laughs> like i'm a man yeah like fucking respect what i'm saying even though he 
did Google it later. I was wrong, but <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not backing down, motherfucker. Because this is how I this is how I learned how to play it when I was in the field with my chief, and he was we were playing rummy and shit. Yeah. Like, this is how we played it, and that's how I want to play it. So damn Google, I don't care because this is how I wanted to play it, and I was just saying. Anyways, it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter, but it's like it is kind of funny in every man's life, especially like when you become a man when you're when you're decision making when you think that your decision making needs to be respected. Sometimes it comes with conflict. Oh yeah, and you need there's certain hills that you just need to um, be willing to die on and take that chance and be like, you know what, I'm gonna fucking die on this hill because this, this is the way it should be done. Yep, and it happens all the time. You, you a couple times that, a year though. during shotgun season with me and my dad, yeah. cause, and he always says, <laughs> we call each other dumb fuck, dipshit when we're arguing, <laughs> you know. Father son bonding type stuff. Yeah, great. And he'll be like, You stupid fucker. I spent my whole life in these timbers. And I said, Me too. And I've probably spent as much time as you have, you know? And I'm like, Yeah, you spent your whole life in there. You know, you hunted them for 30 years, but you haven't really hunted them much in the last 10 years. Yeah. And I've been hunting them for the last 20. Like, okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll buttheads like yeah. crazy. Damn what happened 20 years ago. These are completely different deer. Yeah. And that's, that's like five generations yep. in, deer, in deer life. <laughs> yeah. So I hunted these motherfuckers all season, dude. Yep. I know what's going on. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just fun and funny. You no, know, it's funny part of it, but mm-hmm. no, that's cool. What the fuck? Oh yeah. You, so now you you asserted yourself as a man in the group. Yeah. And it happened, you know, that transition happened like four yeah. or five years ago, to be honest with you, you know, as people realize like, all right, he does know what the hell he's talking yeah. about, you know? And, and it was, my dad was like, Oh, it happened for us too. You know, oh, yeah. at one point it was like, well, let's try some different, you know, everybody gets in their grooves. They do the same things every year. And what it, when it happened for me for like being more or less, uh, this might not be very politically correct, but we have chiefs and Indians in our group. Oh, that's fine. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and where I transitioned into more one of the decision makers, you know, it was kind of one of those, I think we should try something this way. And the first couple times that it worked everybody's like all right well maybe he does know what he's talking yeah, all about right. Yeah, all right. lee sounds good let's try it again yeah what do you think we should do over here yeah now? <laughs> yeah oh, so let's let's dive in tell me about the day that you killed this buck and let's lead up into that yeah so <clears throat> this is on a mana that's where i shotgun hunt you know and it's oh okay i've talked yep. about it a bunch on the on the wcb series it's colt a lot ground. of ground yeah the colt ground yep. it's a lot of ground that we can hunt because it's a corporation that owns it um, mm-hmm. And we're shareholders in the company, live there, blah, 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 all Is it that. Cor- corporation or cooperation? A corporation. A corporation. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Um, so a lot of really big timbers that butt up together. So it's always like, it's it's really stupid, but, you know, there's 26,000 acres. Mike. Oh, sorry. Okay, no, you're good. There's 26,000 acres there, but it's always like, well, where do we go? You know, yeah, and we were like, oh, let's just push this. And usually the deer from this one run up into this one. So we push this one. It's called the Rolling Five. It's five really big, steep hills. Um, hence the Rolling Five. Yeah, makes sense. Um, push that. A couple deer ran up in, and we had a plan to push the next piece where I thought this deer lived. And we'd always push it a little different. And I said, you know, Dad, I always walk here, and every year there's a place called the water hole. It's like a saddle and there's always a water in the water hole in the road. I'm like every year the deer blow out of the drive at the water hole. So let's block up this Valley instead of blocking across this Ridge. A it's gotten thicker. You can't see as well there. Let's block the Valley up and around versus straight across on the Ridge. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Well, we can try it, whatever. So start doing that push. And 
I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, I can, I, I know, you know, I walk enough. I know about how long the drives take and all that kind of jazz. I'm like, all right, deer should be coming any second. And whoop, right at the water hole, here comes a doe and here comes another doe. And, you know, we, our numbers were really low this year. We didn't see a lot of deer, to be honest with you. This drive, we saw a bunch, but it's one of those where it's a really thick timber and on a manna, it's not just my group. Um, there's like four or five other shotgun groups that hunt. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I guess I, in my mind, I just pictured one big group. No, there's like, there's like four or five different groups that hunt first season and like two or three that hunt second season. Okay. And that adds a whole nother aspect of, Holy fuck. you know, did somebody just push this or, yeah. you, oh, we go to this spot. Oh shit. Somebody's here. Got to go to the next one. How many acres total? 20. Well, it's like, it's 26,000 total, but it's like 10,000 acres of timber. Oh, okay. Like chunked out. Yeah, I mean, there's... You have one 10,000-acre chunk over here and then another 10... No, or it's like... it all linked up together? It's all one contiguous oh, piece. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Okay. Um, but there's, you know, there's a 400-acre timber here and a 120-acre timber here. And well, you can't push 26,000 acres with one group and be like, yeah, totally. Yeah, no. We're going to push the whole thing. You got to chunk it up yeah. yourself. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, But anyways, the deer start coming and coming and coming and little bucks. And this was actually one drive that we saw quite a few deer on it's one of those it's thick that not a lot of the other um groups mess with just because it's really thick multiflower and oh. they put everybody pushes everything around it and the deer kind of pile into it there's a couple drives like that that are just so stupid thick that nobody wants to walk through except for our dumbasses. yeah <laughs> um but the deer come boiling and i told my sister the way it set up there was so the the push follows like a really long ridge that there's a, a two track on and there's mm-hmm. like some rolly hills and we were on the east and north sides that dumped down into a valley off that ridge like kind of wrapped around a corner but safe about it because you're shooting at the ridge in front of you mm-hmm. you know you're not shooting uphill you're not shooting down the line at other people and it's that's one thing you know our group is safe you know, that's, you know, I know accidents happen. That's all I care about personally. But, you know, whenever we set up the drives, everybody's older now. So, you know, they have the common sense, but you know, when we were younger and my dad would set up the group, he was like, okay, listen, okay, where's the next, where's the person mm-hmm. that we just dropped off? Okay. And look, wait for us to see the next person. And basically what my dad always taught us when we were kids was don't shoot even relatively close like no deer is mm-hmm. worth killing somebody. Exactly. You know, so we were always told, you know, basically shoot a 90 degree angle in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, 45 degrees this way. 45, oh, oh, oh. oh shit balls. I banged it. Okay. You we're good. Your, you know, good. I need to get different stands. These <laughs> no, suck. I just talk with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's you. It's fun talking with the hands. Yeah. So. You know, so he was like, yeah, it's not, not worth it. You know, if it's even yep. marginal, don't even think about it. So, you know, that's been ingrained in us since the beginning. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyways, we're safe about it. I have a fun, unsafe story to tell when you're done. Okay. So I just make sure I remember that. Okay. Yep. Okay. So yeah. I, you know, I, my sister is next to us and I said, okay, here's where or next to me. This is the water hole. You know, here's where I would say the deer that do bust out, they're going to come out right here or they're going to go th- through to the other end to the other people. Um, and I set her on one finger knob that came down and me on another. And I said, they're either going to run down your finger and up into this timber or they're going to circle back around and cut down this finger up by me. I mm-hmm. said, one of us, you know, a good chunk of the deer are going to come by us. Um, so sitting there and here come the deer. If you go down to my sister and 
some little bucks and stuff. And, and this is a deer that I had a lot of history with, um, three years worth of pictures. I thought he was four the first year I had him and he has been this identical rack all three ever since he was a four year old. No shit. I would, you know, I would say he was within two or three inches every year of the same exact score. Yep. Isn't that weird? Same makeup, same setup. That's so weird. And he crests the hill and I'm like, ah, I think he's not a big frame deer. Got really good G4s, um, good brows, overall decent tine length, but not Mm -hmm. screamer tines, not a big frame. And he crests the hill and I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's him. And he's got a broken brow, but I, I put my binos up and I was like, oh yeah, that's him. (laughs) No brainer. That's him. Um, yeah. How how far away? I shot him at like a hundred. Okay. Um, but another situation of, we know the deer come over here and they crest this hill and they know they're safe for a minute, a few minutes. So they stop, they calm themselves down. And then once the pressure gets added, all animals have what's called a flight zone. And basically it's their comfort, their circle of comfort. Mm-hmm. When you get inside their circle of comfort, they're going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically they, they calm down until something gets into their, their flight zone, be it scent or whatever. So we set up that way for that. And, uh, and comes over and he's he stands up there and mills around and ends up coming down and um yeah i mean he's like 100 and i shot him frontal i've never been a so most of my life i've been a bow guy other than during shotgun season i've never been a big gun guy mm-hmm. i shot competitive trap in high school um but other than that i mean i was like i had a muzzleloader for muzzleloader season and i had a shotgun that i bird hunted and shotgun hunted with and that's yeah. it just not a gun guy um but in the last couple of years, I've I've explored more, and you know I've got a few pistols now, and and I actually I had a oh the shotgun I've shot forever was having some misfiring problems, and it was just an old POS Charles Daly, and oh yeah, it's like you know I need a new gun um, coming into this year because I've had too many problems with it and fixed firing pins and put new and it just didn't matter, you know. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna buy a new gun. And I've always been like shotgun seasons for shotguns. You know, I'm not going to go to straight wall, but I got looking at it and I'm like, you know, you can't hardly get shotgun slugs. I mean, they sell out so fast and they're stupid expensive. You can't hardly buy them. So finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to freaking do it. Honestly, when you break it down like that, it, it doesn't make sense to use slugs anymore because when you're talking cost effectiveness, they're about as much as if, if you're getting decent so- shotgun slugs, you're that's a box of far, fucking four fifty. Yeah, it's for it's five very of similar. Them. <laughs> yeah, for five of them. Yeah, and you're you know it's like God dang, like, kind of making it hard not to go to a four fifty. Yeah, and I or three fifty. Yeah, I was always like, I'm never gonna do it. You know, I'm never gonna do it. But the last couple of years, even you know, with my shotgun malfunctioning, um, I always you know everybody was like, oh man. You 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 stop at stores all the time. See if you can find me a box of shells, you know. And I just could never find them. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna pinch myself to where it's like, oh well, shit. I can't find shells for this gun I just bought, yeah. you know. Um, so I went the 450 route, and I was on the fence whether I was gonna do 350 or 450. But I've heard nightmares about the 350. All right, mm-hmm. nightmares. Um, I, I'm more of a 4, 450 guy personally. Yeah, but I'm also like, I. I've heard of youth kids, you know, I know a lot of pe- parents get their, get three fifties for the kids to shoot during your season. I know a kid this year that double lunged or what should have been a double lung shot four inches behind the shoulder broadside and the deer lived. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my like, mm, 
I'm not going to go the 350 <laughs> route. I want the, you know, especially with walking as much as I do. Yeah. I want the knockdown power of a 450 versus a, you know, the accuracy of a 350, mm-hmm. which 450 is stupid accurate too, you know. Oh yeah. But anyways, he was standing frontal um and shot him right in the chest and dropped him and um I wasn't he was one of those some pictures I thought he was a 165 incher and some pictures I saw he thought he was 145 incher just the way he <laughs> shaped and framed it was like, like man he, I don't know you sent some of the, his pictures to the group didn't you uh like before I killed him or yeah, after before you killed him yeah and yeah. I said the same thing in the group I'm like, I don't sure know if he's 165 that. and yeah I'm Kurt was sure. like I think he's closer to 165 than 45 <laughs> yeah. which he ended up being would have been right in the middle yeah I think I remember that conversation happening I'm like I'm thinking I'm looking at myself because I mean I'm really I don't know. I'm not that great, especially on trail cameras. Mm-hmm. If someone's behind the deer, I'm a lot better at gauging. But if there's no reference for me, I'm like, fuck, I don't know. It looks big. Well, and he Fucking was a shoot him. super small framed bodied deer. Yes. I would get pictures of him and he'd be eight to 14 inches shorter than some of the other bucks. You know, they walk by the same fence post on the same, on the same trail. You're talking like when you say shorter, you're talking like leg. Yeah. Like He's top just, of back. Yes. Yep. And just shorter bodied front to back, you know, so deer like that are really hard to judge off of pictures, you know? Yeah, he's just kind of a fucking midget. Yeah, he was just a small framed deer, mm-hmm. you know? Well, just like me, you know, you put 140 inch <laughs> antlers on my head and yours, yeah. I'm going to look like a 160, you're going you're gonna to look like a 135. Yeah. <laughs> like, Same concept there, like, but. Like, real quick story, my archery buck last year, when he came in, I was thinking like, I don't know, he's maybe 130s. Then when I shot him, it's the first deer I've ever had that had ground grow, growth. Growth, yep. Because I shot him and I went up to him I'm like, God, he's got a fucking big body on him. I grabbed him and looked at just his antlers. I was like, fuck, he's big, way, like, mm-hmm. way bigger than I thought he was, which is a f- fun surprise. But when he was coming in, I was really him and hawing if I should shoot him or not. I'm like, ah, fuck it. He's, he looks big bodied, so I shot him. And he ended up being 140. And I'm like, damn. I, I thought, I mean, when he was coming in, I was, th- I was thinking in my head, I'm like, 130. Yep. I mean, one good solid one thirties class buck. He's, yep. You know, whatever. But yeah. So, I mean, I could definitely see that. Like, you know, he put a, a bigger antlered rack on a smaller body. That's why those Texas deer look so big. Mm-hmm. Cause they got small bodies. And well, that's like my bow bucks, but you know, it was one thirty six, and it was a big frame spindly long tines <laughs> on a smaller body. And it looked way the hell bigger than it actually was. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he ended yeah, up being so. like right in the middle, you know, he, he's missing like a seven inch brow mm-hmm. and he was one forty seven and three eighths yeah. as he sits, you know, really good fours, crappy G twos, this timber. It's funny to see how genetics kind of stay in a timber, you know? Oh, sure. You always hear the sayings. You can't, you can't shoot genetics out of a place. And I borderline agree to, to an, an extent. extent, you know, like, like this, I would say 90% of the 10 pointers that have come out of this block of timber have short G twos. That are shorter. Oh, really? Yep. That are eight inches or shorter and their G threes are 10 inches or longer. It's mm-hmm. just, that's how the 10 pointers are built in those timbers. See, that's funny because I have a, I have a, a piece of permission that I hunt on in all of the bigger bucks. They have really short brows, just yep. junky brows, but real framey, big framey, big yep. framey, beautiful box, just no brows. And then there's another piece of timber that I used to hunt back in the day. And it was the complete opposite, like junky, kind of shorter tined racks, but huge brows, yep. you know? So it's like, ah, it's know. funny to it's see cool. that over yeah. the years. It is. Know? It but. is fun. So yeah, that was, uh, you know, and it's one of those things. It's cool. Like what are the chances he comes to me, Yeah, you know, versus any of the other 
eight people that were set up that day, you know? Mm-hmm. He's a cool buck, man. Honestly, like looking at him and stuff like this, this is shit you see all the time during gun season. Just tips broken off later in the like, year. It's so it's late and they've been through the rut already. And like, that's one thing I love about Iowa is the, you know, you're hunting basically the post rut. Like there's still some rutting activity that can happen in early yeah, December, you know, so. but honestly it's pretty much, it's, dwindled down pretty yeah. dang good by then so that's what i love about iowa is that we're gun hunting during like the post rut type situation like they're not really yeah. rutting around but like man you see so many broken up bucks yeah. during gun season and you will see a little better like every year we see one or two bucks chasing a doe that's not in the drive well when i killed him um i had a little buck dog a doe by me like I'd been sitting for like two minutes and here comes this buck over the hill with chasing this doe. And I'm like, oh, they, yeah. they can't be running from that. They haven't even start, started yet. And he was dogging her and chased her off, you know? Yep. And that's more or less probably not the tail end of the first rut. It's a start of a second rut, you know? Yes. Right. Of right. a deer that didn't get bred. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, he's a cool deer, man. He's really cool. He's got a bunch of fucking, a bunch of junk over on his left side. Yeah. Gnarly. He's cool. Big bases. His bases were six inches. Oh yeah. He's thick. You know, one of those of old deer that has really big bases and it just kind of peters out as it goes up. Yeah. And good force, good browse, mm-hmm. some junk. Yeah. yeah. Good Heck police yeah. out deer, man. Yeah. Biggest deer this year. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to talk about. So you're talking about uh, 350s and 450s. Um, yes and no. I agree, but also kind of disagree where it's <laughs> like a, 30, a 357 bullet going through a deer is plenty of bullet to kill a deer. Right. But I... I mean, especially when you're talking about distances and stuff too, and bullet, depending on the bullet type that you're shooting out of the 350, it's like, if there, cause I'm assuming that youth hunter was pretty close, right? Yeah. I think it was a 75 yard shot. Do you know I what think? kind of ammo he was using? I don't remember what brand, but it was a 170 grain bullets. Yeah. I mean, grains, yes, matter, but also like, I guess when you, with deer size game and stuff, I mean, I like a fast opening bullet for deer, for deer size game. Like, like Hornady, I don't like Hornadies, but I like Hornadies at the same time. So like, I don't like Hornady because they're fairly frangible, but I like Hornady because they're fairly frangible. And if you're shooting them, like, especially close, close range like that, like they're going to open up really fast and do a lot of damage. Yeah. And that's the ones I don't like are those really tough bullets for close range shots. So if yep. you're shooting a really strong, solid copper bullet construction and it's really close like that. There's been times where they mushroom out just a little bit, barely yep. start pedaling at that time. Cause it's going so fast. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it needs a little bit, it needs a little bit more drag. So it needs a little bit more space to really do what it needs to do. Yep. And my 450, I had, um, my tack. I, like I said, I know like literally nothing about guns <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I've gotten into it more in the last couple of years just because, you know, of advances in technology or whatever. So yep. I had my taxidermist build me a AR platform, 450 mm-hmm. Bushmaster. Which I love, by the way. I know a lot of people disagree with that. Like, why the fuck are you using ARs for hunting, hunting, hunting mm-hmm. deer? You don't need a fucking AR platform rifle to hunt deer. Like, no, you're right. You don't. Yeah, but what's the difference of that or a bolt action, in my opinion? It well, just takes a half a second less to run a bolt. Exactly. And to be honest with you, I didn't use a bolt gun because I've never hardly shot a bolt gun. So I didn't want to... It was... For me, it was a, you know, if I do happen to make a bad shot on a deer, I want to be able to put one in him right again exactly. instead of having to fumble fuck around with a bolt. So here's my reason why I love that people are hunting with 
did we get already are we good with the 350 450 thing 450 is definitely have a lot more punch oh obviously. way more so yeah 450 again. yeah <laughs> it's way bigger the only it thing I, other thing i was going to say bigger. was you know you were talking hornady versus i actually so had my taxidermist build me this gun don't yes, know much about ammo don't about know it. nothing um and i asked him like well what ammo should i shoot you know i you know there's a bunch of different brands and he goes well you know buy he said i would either shoot hornady or deer season xp mm-hmm. um and he said in my opinion deer season xp do a little more damage mm-hmm and Hornady's are better to long range. And I said, well, to be honest with you, most of my shots are going to be within 100 yards, so I'd rather have the damage. Yes. So that's why I so went with the deer season. I shoot the deer okay. season XPs just because I think those, for that reason, you know, like those, I said, I don't know shit about it. But. So when we're talking about frangible bullets that open up really fast, those deer season XPs, I, I don't think there's a bullet that opens up faster than a deer season XP. Mm-hmm. Like when you watch like ballistic gel testing and stuff on certain calibers and certain type of bullet constructions. Um, like the Hornady precision hunters, they're, a, they retain a little bit more weight behind them, but like the, uh, Hornady black and that's a really popular cartridge with a lot of yep. straight wall guys. Um, they're pretty quick to open up as well. But those deer season, deer season XPs are fucking, I love those that car. I, I love it because, because it just opens up so fast mm-hmm. and you're good from 30 yards to a hundred yards to 150 yards. Like it's going to penetrate on a white tail just fine. It's going to do plenty, like a lot of damage and it's going to put them down like that. Well, that's, so that's the, the, what you're talking about, like the knockdown power. Mm-hmm. A lot of that comes from bullet construction, not necessarily like bullet diameter definitely helps in having a, a 45 right. caliber rather than a 35 caliber bullet that bullet diameter does definitely help because it, it's bigger, obviously. Yeah. But um, should I just announce you? But <laughs> the thing is, like, uh, if you shoot a forty-five caliber bullet that is a really tough, solid copper controlled expansion around versus a thirty-five caliber that's like a 30, like a three fifty legend decent XP, mm-hmm. that's going to do more damage up close than that solid right. copper controlled expansion right, gonna- is. It's going to expand and make a mushroom versus people, a solid. Yeah. Some people say like, oh, a grenade in the deer. Like, okay. Yeah. Possibly. Like, yes. That's a yep. popular term for it. But what happens is it enters in and just it pedals out so fast that it, caught, it blows a lot of the weight off really fast. Yep. And just sends all this extra shards and shit all over throughout the vitals. And it just causes all these mini wound channels yep. throughout it too. And that's that hydro, hydrostatic shock that you're putting on an animal that drops in its tracks. Yep. And I would say like, so that mercy kill I talked about, you know, I was only like four or five yards from that deer and I, I just, I shot her in the head just because of quickest way to put her down. Oh yeah. You know, that close. And I was only four yards from her and still the one side of her head was pretty well gone, you know, at four yards, that bullet's moving at four yards, you know? Yep. And that's where, well, I guess we can visit the smokeless muzzleloader thing down the podcast if yeah. you want. If you oh, want. yeah, I do. Keep, okay, good. Yeah. Keep talking about the AR platform deal. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I want to go back to the ARs real quick. Um, I've heard on the forums, on Facebook, and all that shit about people like hating on the AR platforms for deer hunting. The reason why I love that people are using AR platforms to hunt might be a, for a little bit, little bit different reason than others, but when we're talking uh, politicians and gun control... Um, when a politician comes in and says, we need to ban these assault weapons, specifically the AR platform, yeah. correct? So they want to ban ARs specifically because they think they say they're other weapons of war. You don't need them to hunt, yada, yada, yada. 
one thing that a lot of people don't know is that when uh, when politicians put forth a bill, and let's say it gets passed, let's say an, uh, an assault weapons bill gets passed, and uh, AR-15s are now illegal. When that gets to the Supreme Court, because it will, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. It's someone's going to challenge it. There's you know um, FPC, NRA, you know Gun Owners of America. They're all going to put in lawsuits and they're going to take it to the Supreme right. Court, right? So yep. it's going to that bill will see the Supreme Court. One big thing that the Supreme Court looks at when they're looking at bans on weapons is um, normal use in the population and how many people use them and how many people use them if. It's a lot easier to ban a certain style of weapon when it's only used in a quote unquote assault fashion. Yep. Right? Like machine guns. Yep. When it got when they got banned due to the NFA back in the thirties. Predominantly only criminals and law enforcement were using machine guns, right? right. So like, hey, we need da, da, da. NFA happened. Whatever. Um, people weren't hunting with full autos, you know. No one's going to hunt with a machine gun. So right. they got banned. It's a lot easier to ban something that's only used in that purpose and in self-defense purposes. Like the Supreme Court, depending on who the justices are and all that good stuff, they will look at that as being like, okay, this is purely a self-defense or quote-unquote assaulting weapon. Yeah. Right? So uh, if it's if that's it, they're like, oh, okay, well, there's other weapons that they can use for self-defense as well. So uh, it's a lot easier to ban those types of weapons. But when it talks about hunting, if more and more people use ARs to hunt with, it makes it that much harder to ban a platform when it's a proven effective weapon for hunting. Yep. That's why I love that people are using ARs to hunt with finally, especially deer. And when you're talking about coyotes and stuff like that, like, ah, whatever. Yeah. But when you're talking like deer hunting, like that community is so much bigger than just coyote hunters. Yeah. And wolf hunters and stuff. So when more deer hunters are using ARs to hunt deer, then they're going to be like, I don't want to give up my AR either. Granted, it's a different caliber. It's a 450 or 350 as opposed to a 556, yeah, right? That's where but, I was going to go next. Yeah. So. But you can use that same platform. Like you get by an AR 15 that's chambered in 556. You take off the upper, you put on a 350 upper. Yep. Good to go. Well, and that's so that's where I was going to go after you were done there. There was a Facebook post, you know, I'm friends with all kinds. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just right. say it that way. I am too. Um, and I saw a Facebook post that was like, you don't need an AR assault rifle to hunt deer and blah, 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 blah. And there was even hunters that were commenting on that post that were like, well, you know, that does make sense because most, you know, typically the bullets shot out of an AR are too small to cause damage to big game. And I wanted, I wanted to, I didn't, right. I'm one of those people. I don't get in those wars, but it was hunters. And I wanted to be like, you do realize you're retarded that you're a dumb fuck (laughs) and you can have it chambered in whatever the fuck you want. Dude, An AR is so versatile. Okay. Five, five, six, five, six, six, two, two, three. 300 blackout, 350 legend, yeah. 450 bushmaster, fucking um, 7.62 by 39. Like you can get, uh, granted, you need a different lower for those right. cartridges. 6.5 um, Creedmoor, obviously, you use a AR 10 lower right. when you're shooting 7.62 or 6.5 Creedmoor. But yep. It's the same concept, right? You it's take you what take the gun a, looks like. You take an AR 10. You ask them, like, what is this? That is like yeah. calling for a ban. Like, AR 15, like, wrong. Anyways, doesn't right. matter. It yep. looks the same. 
predominantly. Um, so that same platform, it's so fucking versatile. You can use it for anything. You can use it to hunt deer. You can use, you can take a AR 10 hammered in seven six two by 54, which is just your standard three Oh eight round. You can hunt elk with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can do so it's much just like, with that platform. If you want to, when I saw that, I'm like, dude, you're a fucking hunter. How do you like, not I'm not shot. a gun guy, but I know enough to think, you can chamber it in whatever the hell, you, not whatever you want, but for the most part, whatever That's the hell you want. The most, it's the most versatile platform that we have yeah. as American citizens. Yeah, it's so versatile. And I, you know, I, I loved it simply from a stability standpoint. You know, I used a oh the sling I bought is one of those that you can make a single point off sure. the back, but I didn't like how how it hung. Mm-hmm. And the one I had, you could do the two point. Well, from a stability standpoint, you know, of using the sling as well as the weight of the gun, I was way more stable with that gun, you know, offhand mm-hmm. than I was with any shotgun I've ever shot yeah. between using the sling, you know, as a, as a pinch against my, my shoulders, you know, making a triangle with mm-hmm. the sling, my shoulders and the gun Yeah, and the weight of the gun. I mean, I was 10 times more stable with that gun on my shoulder freehand than a shotgun. Well, that's that weapon system is meant to be shot like that. Correct. You know? Yeah. It's, it's built for that. Yeah. So it's like, I agree. Shotguns are meant to be shot offhand as well. That's why a lot of, um, bolt action rifles back in the day were meant to like feel kind of like a shotgun. Cause mm-hmm. back in the day, your standard rifle hunter was shooting offhand. Yeah. 90, 90% of his shots were shot offhand, not mm-hmm. in the prone, not going down. Like even in the elk woods, when they're out there hunting, they're still hunting. There's the, right. the, that was the main, um, way people were hunting. The spot and stock was, was, was a deal too. But for the most part, people were still hunting through the timber. And when an elk or a deer or something gets up, they have to make that quick snapshot. Yep. That was so much more popular back in the day than it is now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I love the hunting community. I love everyone that does it. I'm so glad everyone's so opinionated. However, like you go back 50 years, everyone was shooting like that. Yeah. That's why they wanted rifles, bolt action rifles specifically to feel like a shotgun so they could make a quick, fast snapshot mm-hmm. when an animal starts running. Yep. And then an AR platform comes out. It's like literally that's how it's made is to make quick, fast acquisition, target acquisition yep. really fast in Solid. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's made for. Dude. Yeah. And that's I why the ergonomics are set up the way it is. Solid as shit. In yeah. That tri- you know, make it, like I say, making the triangle. Triangle's the strongest shape. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, I, I love the air platform. I think it's great. And I'm glad people are, like, more and more and more people are hunting with an air platform, whether it's, you know, no matter what it is. Uh, it's just, I think it's a lot. It makes it that much harder for the anti-gun politicians to ban a weapon that's in common use because that is literally one of the, like one of the main focuses that the supreme court looks at is like is this weapon in common use when they say common use is the common man using this for other anything other than shooting other people right oh yes absolutely it is yeah makes it makes sense wildly popular that's and that's why i love this stray wild cartridge thing like some you know especially traditional iowans like what the fuck was wrong with the shotgun season? Well, that's how I was. I yeah. mean, no, I get it. I, I went, I, I dabbled with it in my own head, my, uh, my own mind for a little bit too. Um, but I've always been just a staunch advocate of like, I love the straight wall cartridge thing. You know, some people have their uh, own opinions on it. That's my personal opinion on it is that I love it 
because it does so much more good for the entire country outside of the deer, uh, outside the deer hunting community as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's an all around plus factor in my opinion, where it transcends deer, the deer hunting community. And I think more deer hunters need to look at that aspect as well, where you start dog shitting on fucking straight wall cartridges, this, this, that, and the other, and you don't like them because of whatever reason, um, think about it outside of the deer hunting community, right? You know, outside of that, it's like, it makes it, it's just makes it a lot harder. So that's why I like it myself. Um, I just really wanted to drive that point home while we're here talking about it yeah. because I, I haven't talked about that aspect yet on the podcast. So yeah. I'll be a sound advocate for AR platforms in hunting forever. I'll always fight for it my, myself personally. So, yeah. mm-hmm. And I do agree. I like the 450 better than the 350 as well. Yes. I will say that a 350 will kill deer because um, Derek Verbeek, he mm-hmm. shot his 350 down there. Yep. And every deer he shot and hit died. Yep. So it's definitely enough gun, but you do have to be a little bit more particular with shot placement. I would not take a quartering two shot with a 350. Yep. I and would, a 450, yes. Bullets, too. And I bullet mean, based on our conversation matters. right here, I think that's a big thing, too. You know, it is. not like you say, not only weight, but construction of the bullet you know yep it's just like when you're talking archery you know um are you gonna take a really hard quartering two shot with an expandable no no you barely would with a fixed solid blade. fixed yeah. blade right just because what the fact what you know what factors are you looking at when it's a quartering two shot those are just hard shots mm-hmm. gun or bow it's a hard shot like right. i shot my doe quartering two pretty hard with my muzzle loader but she was at 40 yards quartering two and i knew when i pulled that trigger i'm like there's not gonna be any blood yeah it's just that's the way it is with those shot plates that shot plates well, and muzzle loaders yeah and muzzle loaders <laughs> in general so it's like um but i knew my weapon i knew what i was shooting out of it was a good strong bullet design but i also knew there's not gonna be any blood so i immediately just started grid searching basically because i'm like there's not gonna be blood right and there was not any blood until she's dead yeah so there's a lot of blood but she is all coming out of her mouth right you know so kind of staying with my my ar my personal AR. Do you know of a? I talked with Michael Winicky from Leupold and ended up getting uh-huh. a scope. But what I was looking for that I really wanted, and I don't know if it even exists. But do they? Does anybody make a zoomable red dot? Yes and no. Well, because like I asked Michael, because I was like, I could have sworn I saw one time they had like a one to three zoomable red dot and he was like i don't i don't remember if we do but no i don't think so so we ended up i ended up going with a one to five um scope with a fire dot mm-hmm. you know um perfect for that right system. but i really you know i really like a red dot because for instance if i'm walking and have to shoulder my gun and don't get my gun shouldered perfectly as long as that dot you know, no matter where my face is on the gun, as long as that dot's where it needs to be, it's going to hit there. You know, mm-hmm. that's how that the red dot system works. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I was like, well, if I have to shoot at 100 yards, I don't really want a red dot because it's covering up the whole deer. You know? Yeah, so EOTech makes these uh, really cool magnifiers for red dots specifically. So it's a snap it's a snap red um, magnifier. So you um, pull it up and down and it's just, a Oh, so it's just like a, like a lens that goes yeah, over a, front of your red a, dot. I think it's a three power. Maybe it might be four. It's three or four power. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it's just a magnifier, right? So you have your yeah. red dot sitting a little bit forward on and then the it's gun. It's just a lens you move in and out of the way. That's all it is. And it's really super durable. You know, yeah. so like if, if you, you, you know, if you're, 
doing conducting a deer drive and you're one of the um, pushers, then you you know you have that fucker down and out of the way, and then you're just red dotting it, right? Yep. And if you want to take a hundred yard shot, you just flip it up, boom, and you got you know I think it's I think it's three, yeah three or four power on yeah. it, and that's perfect. Yeah, I, I really shot, like so. the, the scope that Michael helped me figure out and find, yeah. you know, but me personally, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Me personally, I'm a huge fan of uh, other called LPVOs, the low power LVPOs. No, LPVOs, low power variable optic LPVO. So that's what you have, right? Mm-hmm. The one to five, one to six, one to eight, whatever that one to whatever or two to whatever. Those are considered the LPVOs. I love those. I think one power is you can shoot as close as you can, like very, very close. And you can still take running shots with, yeah. the, with an LPVO <laughs> yeah. pretty well if, yeah. if that's what you're into. You know, if you're not into that, great. But um, you can still do everything you need to do with uh, an LPVO, which is a lot. So my, me personally, I put, uh, a, you know, I put a Vortex on mine. <sighs> I know, I know. <laughs> but it is on my, is the is a vortex strike go one to six that mm-hmm. was on my ar i put it on my 450 and i just have a uh uh ruger american ranch bolt action yep and i'm like i fucking love it i think this yeah. is great now i really like that, that one year. to five um mm-hmm. basically what i what i ended up doing you know when i was on one power i could see the end of my barrel which i wasn't a huge fan of so i would I just kept it to where it was just zoomed to where I could just not see the end of my barrel. Mm. And one of the things that sold me too, because I was borderline like, well, I'll just go with a red dot then. You know, you just I see the barrel all the time with a red dot though. Well, that's, <laughs> I realized that. <laughs> but one of the things that like was a game changer for me was when I, when we were at deer and beer, the loophole tent there, Yeah, I was talking to him about it and he's like, hold the red dot that's on this pistol away from you. You know, about where you think, a, and he's like, just look at the sight picture, mm-hmm. you know, what you can see. Or, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to go with a LV. What'd you say? L- LPVO. Yeah. Yeah. It It's, I love it. And yeah. I got one of them that like, you know, if I got my dope and all and bullet, whatever, what all the whole calculations to figure out my, um, what's that? Dial dirt. Yeah. But what's the terminology? Mills. Oh yeah, well uh, it's Mills or MOA. Yeah, um, you're uh, probably that's a, probably an MOA. MOA, scope. yeah, because it's yeah, yep. yeah, it's probably an MOA. Scope, so I though. could do that, you know, if I wanted to take longer shots, but yeah. you know, like I say, my my goal with that gun is what is it a VX five? Oh, yes. five. Oh, yeah. so you can get a custom dial turret for that if you wanted to. Mm. So I mean, granted, it's an LPVO, it's low power. You don't really need to dial, but if I think. Gosh, I'd have to look into that. Actually, don't quote me on that. You might not be able to but yeah. on that low of power. But I know that all the VX5s are CDS scopes. Mm. I don't know if that one specifically is. But if it is, I mean, that'd be an option, too. Yeah, because it's got the dial up there, you know, and I like all well, my smokeless. Is it an exposed turret with uh, – does it have the zero lock on it? So yeah. It has a little button on it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, think I'm pretty, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to get a CDS. We have to look, look that up. Don't quote me on that, guys. But, uh, I mean, that'd be an option, too. Well, yeah, but with – I mean, with that gun – I'm, you know, I'm not going to need it, it necessarily. Yeah. I've zeroed at a, or I'm, a, I'm an inch high at a hundred, zeroed at one fifty, basically roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not more than likely going to shoot that far anyways. So not. <laughs> yeah. not any farther than that. So I don't need it. You know, yeah. my smokeless on the other hand, <laughs> okay. I don't use for that length purpose, but I can, you know, yeah. given the opportunity. Let's get into that. What do you got? Uh, to be honest with you, I cannot tell you what it is. I bought it from a buddy. <laughs> Jacob, what part of I'm not a gun guy do you not get? <laughs> um, so I, I remember I um, asked you 
quite a while ago, like, hey, yeah, you should come on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what good I do. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll wait on that a little bit. And then you kill, kill this podcast. I'm like, perfect. Yep. Perfect reason to get you on the podcast now. Yeah, so, so I bought – the reason I bought a smokeless was, you know, I killed Junk Brow with one yep. because I had not bad experiences, but the neighbors don't like people going on their ground, which I wouldn't either. And muzzleloaders don't bleed very well. They don't typically have a lot of knockdown power. And where I hunt, for the most part, butts up next to that neighbor who doesn't like people going on the ground. So I used one. I borrowed a buddy's, an arrowhead, um, 45 cal uh, when I shot Junk Brow yep. because I wanted the knockdown power. I didn't want him getting back onto the neighbors and having to deal with that. So that's a funny thing you say that because all the predominantly black powder muzzleloaders are 50 calibers. So... Now you're saying that a smaller caliber is better than a well, larger caliber. And <laughs> but like smokeless versus black powder, dude. Right, I don't know anything about it. I'll explain <laughs> the difference when you get done. Okay. So, so you know, I, I borrowed a buddy's because I knew with how Junk Brow was coming out, more than likely it was going to be last light and I was going to be shooting him 40 yards from the fence line, you mm-hmm. know. And with a regular muzzleloader, He'd have ran up, you know, even with a perfect shot, he was making it onto the neighbors. Sure. Unless I spined him, you know? Yep. No so one's, No one's aiming for the spine. Let's be honest. Correct. That's crazy. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, you know, I borrowed a friend's for that aspect. Mm-hmm. The aspect of the carnage it does. I'm still not going to shoot 400 freaking yards, even though the gun is more than capable. Dude. Uh, Luke Horak was talking. I was mm-hmm. had him on the podcast. Do your recommendation. Yeah, reach out to him, dude. He said he was shooting sub MOA, which is um, MOA is less than one inch groups. Yep, um, out to a hundred yards, right? But he's shooting like sub one inch groups. We'll say, yep, layman's terms, out to like four or five hundred yards with his smokeless muzzleloaders. Like, dude, that's fucking insane, dude. So, anyways, I borrowed I borrowed my buddies, and then I was like, you know. I think with I'm going to hunt here as long as the landowner allows me. Sure. And I'm going to keep dealing with it. It's just going to be nice to have the knockdown power to not saying the deer won't make it back onto the neighbors, but the possibility is going to be a lot less with that knockdown power of the bullet out of a smokeless versus a regular black powder muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up <laughs> basically I got lucky. Um, a guy that I know was moving to Wyoming and he couldn't use it there. Oh it yeah, because it was a forty-five caliber. Yeah, you can use it during rifle season, but right, you know, just use a rifle then. At that point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but he couldn't use it because it was a forty-five cal, yep. not a fifty. Correct. So he, <laughs> I don't have a lot of money into it for what it is. You know, most smokeless now, if you buy one, they're freaking seventy-five hundred bucks. Oh fuck yeah. Um, well, the only people making them are custom rifle right. builders, so. and this is a custom build. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the guy he bought it from had it custom built before smokeless muzzleloaders were even on anybody's radar and he had it built for like 800 bucks. Oh no shit. So, Jeez. and he had a nice loophole scope on top of it. Um, well, no, when, when the guy I bought it from, bought it from this guy, it had a, like a vortex or something on it. And he put a nice loophole on it and he traded a used bow for the gun. Oh, okay. Because the guy wanted to get into bow hunting, mm-hmm. wanted to get, you know, didn't use the muzzleloader like he thought he would. So, I'm not going to say the number, but I I don't have a lot of. I basically I have what the scope is worth into the gun. What kind, what kind of? You don't know the kind that you have. Though, right? I don't know who built it. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it was a more of a low. It wasn't like it wasn't center punch. It wasn't arrowhead. Yeah. Um, there's a guy in 
Indianola, Iowa that builds a few of them. I think, I mm-hmm. think it's one of his, Okay, um, but not a hundred percent sure. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, people are like, well, that's basically a fucking rifle. And I'm like, well, I mean, yes, essentially. Yes. Um, but it still loads from the muzzle, right? It's so still a muzzle loader. loader. Um, but I bought it, you know, so when I, same thing, my tax farmers knows a lot more about guns than I do. Hmm. Um, and you know, I got a chrono and he helped me get my MOA and he's like, just to see if it's, you know, if the numbers are about right, go find the place you can shoot the farthest and dial to what it says and see where it, well, mm-hmm. it's like 375 yards. And I was with a 15 mile an hour crosswind. Was this two years ago? Uh, you were doing this? Last year. Last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember you sending out all the data after you're shooting it. Like this is fucking nuts. Yeah. It's like 2,800 foot at the, 2,800 feet per second at the muzzle. That's fast as fuck, boy. Yeah, for a muscle. <laughs> That's fast um, as fuck, dude. But anyways, I was like, eh, like 375 yards is about the farthest I can get with a 15-mile-an-hour crosswind. And I think I shoot a 275-grain bullet, if I remember right. Sounds about right. Um, And I was, I you know, I dialed my deal, put it in a, a bench, um, just because I wanted to see if my numbers were right. You know, I zeroed at 100. Yep. And uh, I was like an inch and a half to the right at 375 yards. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, even though I know <laughs> this gun can do it, That's awesome. I'm not going to do it, you know, because I, I enjoy the hunt. That's why I bow hunt so much. Sure. I enjoy outsmarting the deer. I don't need to sit 400 yards back and shoot a deer. I'm still going to treat it like a mus- like a regular muzzleloader, but with more knockdown power. Yeah. Riddle me this though. It's nice having that range because check the, it, it, the way I look at it, it's like, okay, because I do the same thing. Whether I'm hunting with a rifle or not, I try to get as close as I can. Yep. You know, get as close as you possibly can. So it's just that much easier, right? But man, when you shoot a, if you shoot an animal at a hundred yards with a gun and let's say you, it just doesn't go down for some reason and it runs off to 352 yards. Be very nice. Dude. Would be very nice to be able to do it. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to put that fucker on on, in your shoulder and be like, I, you're dead. I'm yeah. confident here. Well, my, put another one in them. My taxidermist yeah. has one, and he's headshot does at 550 yards or 505 yards is as far as the shot. Yeah, and like like I say, I wouldn't do that. No, the gun has the velocity at my gun with my bullet setup at 925 yards still has enough enough velocity to kill a deer. Yes. Am I going to shoot that far? No. No. <laughs> But I know a lot. I know some guys that completely nerd out on guns, which is great, especially long range shooting. And they get the so that you know that same feeling that you get when you're bow hunting and a deer comes in at you know we'll say 28 yards and you fucking double lung that fucker and he runs off a little bit and dies. That feeling. I know some guys that don't get that when it's close, but, but they, they do, do when, it's get at that when it's 800 yards. What's that? Yeah, yeah, six, seven, eight hundred yards. Yep. They like they get that feeling, that rush at like 800 yep. yards and like. Ooh, here we go, dude. And everything goes together. Their hand loads are perfect. Their gun is perfect. Yep. They're at their peak performance. And they fucking pull the trigger and it, they watch that vapor trail go in and hit that fucker right in the 10 ring. And it runs off a few hundred yards and then just falls over dead. Like, then they're like that feeling. Yep. For those people. Yeah. And I can get that. Yeah. Everyone's different. So, and I will say, um, based on, I'm trying to think how I want to word this, <laughs> where I want to go with this thought. Yeah. <clears throat> I borderline think there, w- there might come a point where they make them not legal. 
This wasn't where I was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that's a possibility. And if, if that's the case, then I'm up shit crick without a paddle. It's definitely you know? a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen in Iowa, though. Yeah. I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened. It would have because they've gained so much pop, pop, yes. popularity. Yes. Um, but anyways, that was just a thought that trickled in my head. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say is I think from my personal experience, as well as talking to others, I think 50 yards and in, I would rather have a black powder muzzleloader. Because I think the bullet is going so fast well. that it doesn't give the gun the opportunity, doesn't give the bullet the opportunity to perform like it's designed to. And that's where we're talking bullet construction. Right. Yep. And I think, because, you know, I know guys that have, you know, I shot a doe last year with mine and the exit hole was like a freaking basketball, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I know guys that have shot deer at 35 yards with them and it's a pencil hole all mm-hmm. the way through it. Because the bullet's going so fast, well, you know. So every gun has its downfall. You know, these aren't like it's not a one gun cure all type thing. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, fifty yards and in or whatever. I I think I'd rather have you know a, a little bit slower a traditions muzzleloader with the. I really like the bleed bullet. That's what I that's that was my combo I shot before I went to the smokeless. I think that bleed bullet. You know, obviously I'm sure it's a bullet construction thing, mm-hmm. um, but I think I would rather have that from 50 yards and in than my smokeless mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's valid for sure. And I mean, 50 yards in with a black bar is a chip shot, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, but I guess, uh, t- so to talk a little bit, so what's funny is I actually have this right here. Um, it's the, f- the first episode of my solo series I want to do. Oh yeah. I have it all typed out and shit, but it's all about gunpowder. Right. So it's funny that you brought up like kind of smokeless powder. So, Kind of a brief history on like Swogos powder and stuff is, you know, created by some French dude. And uh, it's approximately three times as powerful as black powder. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking like a smokeless muzzleloader being a rifle, like, yeah, it, it basically is. Well, yeah, it's rifle powder. It's just, it's it's a, just loaded differently, it's just, right? Basically. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's the smokeless powder specifically is just so much more powerful than black powder. It's mm-hmm. insane. So yes, you, you're right. A smokeless muzzleloader is basically a, a single shot rifle, mm-hmm. but it's still a muzzleloader, and it's, you're still using loose powder, right? Yep. So the, the smokeless powder that you pour in is loose, yep. correct? Yep. So it's still loose powder. It's not um, protected by uh, a shell casing, so therefore it's not a rifle, right? Because it doesn't have a shell casing. And there's a lot of things that can go r- moisture. You know, moisture. Mm-hmm. Granted, I, there are a lot more. <clears throat> you know, from the little bit of knowledge I have, my smokeless is a lot more. Uh, weather tight in the barrel. I they, think they they all are. You yes. know, because um, yeah. it, it doesn't have like a breech plug, like a traditional breech plug, like a CVA. Yeah, you know, right. So it does not because it, it, it's a bolt action. You put the bar, yes, but the I, magnum primer in as like yeah. I mean, there is a breech plug. Yeah, that you have to screw all the way in. Screwed all the way in. Yeah. Yep, and yep. then you put the bolt behind it. Yeah. So um, you're the, really the only moisture you're going to get is if it's raining and it's falling down the inside yep. your barrel and gets in there and leaks past the bullet and yep. fucking soaks your powder and you're fucked. And I will say, you know, it's not as simple as just loading the, it, a smokeless takes a lot more thought process than a regular muzzleloader. I mean, I shot when I got mine, you know, same thing. I talked to my tax service Dylan. I'm like, well, what do I, you know, <laughs> what do I do? I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. He's, you know, grains of, you know, shoot all these different grains and see what patterns better. And, mm-hmm. you know, I shot anywhere from 68 grains by weight to 80 was the, ma- was the max I could shoot was 80 out of my gun. Um, and I shot 
three of each. Basically, I went in two two um, grain increments, mm-hmm. 68, 70, 72, 74, all the way up to 80, mm-hmm. just to see which pattern the best. Yep. You know? And it, so were you doing like three shot groups and then three shot on. groups, moving to the next yep. one, putting a new target just to see which pattern is the best, yes. you know, cause he was yep. like your bullet, your gun, all is going to be different. Um, I ended up being 74 was what shot pattern best. the best. Yeah. Yep. That's great. So I know with my black powder, I, sh- I searched up white hot pellets just cause it's, I, the, when I, I got, got kind of got in a pinch one year. And they didn't have a triple seven at Fleet Farm, so I just bought White Hots, mm-hmm. and I threw fucking three down the tube and let her rip. And I'm like, holy fuck, <laughs> that was way too much. And I ended up scoping myself, not a good deal. But <laughs> but uh, I, I switched to just 100 grain White Hots with mine, and that ended up patterning the best with my um, bullet as well out of my blackboard. But you have to do that. You have to toy around with it and see what patterns best and yeah. all that stuff. That's just the responsible thing to do. Right. Because some people um, look at guns. As if they're just like laser beams, you know, like, oh, f- just put it on there and pull the trigger. You're good. Like, oh, well, no, there's a lot more that goes into it that you're maybe not taking into consideration. If you're, if you're going to shoot sub 100 yards, then yes, yeah, you're right. Right. Just put it on there and pull the trigger. And you're, it's going to hit pretty damn close, right? Yeah. But when you're talking like a little bit extended ranges and stuff, locking, you have to shoot. You have to still have to put time behind the gun and get used to it and figure out what shoots best. Even with my centerfire rifles. If I get a new rifle, I'll go out and I'll buy, you know, three or four different brands of um, uh, rounds to see what shoots best out that gun. Shit, even with shotguns, it's that way. Yeah. My, yeah. Si- my sister's gun that she shoots, it will, it's a 20 gauge. It will not shoot a Remington slug well at all. Oh, really? Nope. It'll throw all over the board. You know, one bullet will be four inches right. Next one will be seven inches high. Yeah. Next one will be a foot and a half low. But mm-hmm. Winchester's pattern perfectly. She's shooting sabos out of it or sabots? Uh, nope, just old just Uncle old, Ed. Yep, just the old <laughs> fucking rifled slugs. Yep. Smooth bore. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, th- those are even more finicky. <laughs> yeah. But it's just crazy to me. Like, I was like, oh, it must just be these, you know, this box. Yeah, you know every every you know every once in a while we'll be like, oh, let's just buy a box yep. of Remington and see. Nope, still throw yep. the bullets like crazy. Yeah, they all and it's just all, that gun, you know. Yeah, they all. I mean, every gun will shoot a certain brand better than others. Yep, you know. And both my sisters shoot eleven hundreds. Okay. Um, one shoots a Remington bullet, one shoots a Winchester bullet. Same gun. Yeah, roughly the same manufactured. year manufactured. What year? Uh, I don't remember. A couple years old, ten years. No, old, old, old like old, old. Okay. Yeah. Wait, like my age <laughs> type stuff. Um, nice. But one shoots a Remington bullet just fine and not a Winchester, and one shoots a Winchester and not a Remington. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just you. weird. Yeah, I know you just got to spend a little time and fucking figure out what shoots best out of whatever gun, you know? So, um, but yeah, uh, what the f- I was going to say something else. Oh, I did want to tell us that <laughs> unsafe gun story real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I do. I gotta take a break real quick. I got pee so bad again. You're good. I've just been pounding beers and shit. So <laughs> <laughs> you're good. And break. And break. <laughs> and we're back. All right. Sorry about that, Lee. Yeah, we had to take both of us <laughs> had to take a pee break. We're good. Yeah, that's the one problem with uh, doing a podcast, which is generally most of the time one on one. It's like if I got to pee, we gotta just gotta shut her down. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, take, I could have rambled yeah. like a dumbass for Lee. Keep five talking, minutes, but. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, where's it going? Oh yeah, 
deer story. Yeah, um, unsafe so, deer story. Unsafe deer story. So I grew up shotgun hunting and doing deer drives and stuff. But uh, we used to hunt. My dad and I, we used, when I first started, we used to hunt with a, a fairly large group with my uncle and some other of his, some of his friends and whatnot. Uh, it, it got to be fairly unsafe a lot of times, honestly, because they're fucking wild, wild bunch. And this is back in like, you know, the wild, wild west of Iowa shotgun hunting, yeah. dude. You know, so um, we were hunting. Anyways, we were um, posted up. The rest of the group was pushing kind of towards. We're at the end of this woodlot here, and we're just set up behind this uh, this kind of, I guess, log. Is like it wasn't a down tree. It's just a, basically a log laying there. We're posted up on the on this log, and some fucking doe came in, and someone had already shot it in the guts and it stood right in front of us. And then the pushers came up closer and my dad's sitting there and he's like, God dang it. It's this little fucking doe. And already got shot. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. He, he, he was him and hawing around for just a little bit. And also we heard like, boom, boom. And it fucking smoked. Like the slug hit the log that was right in front of us. And oh. my dad's like, Oh fuck. And he's like sitting there and like, we heard, boom, and it missed the deer again. They're shooting at that fucking doe that was right in front of us. Man, it's like, fuck. So he just pulls up. He's like, douche, and dumps that doe. He's like, it's dead. It's dead. Quit shooting. It was fucking Holy nuts. I'm, shit. Sitting, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't know, 11 or 12. I'm like, God dang. That's nuts. My dad freaked the fuck oh. out. Chewed his fucking ass. He's like, you dumb motherfucker. You knew we were there. I'm, I don't know for sure. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was pissed. Yeah. He was ripping this dude a new one. He's like, well, and, and then the guy had the audacity. He's like, well, I guess you got to put your tag on it. My dad's like, fuck you, put your tag on it. <laughs> He's like, you're the one shooting. It. I just put it down out of, out of self-defense, yeah. you know? So Jesus. That, was, that was the last time we hunted that group. And then that's when my dad and I, we just split off and we just did our own thing during shotgun season. So we ended up sitting a lot. That's when I first started like just sitting and letting kind of like, so that's honestly one thing I want to do again someday is just go out during gun season and sit, like, known escape routes. Yep. And let everyone else do the work for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> my dad and I, we did that. And we were, what, that um, deer that I mounted downstairs mm-hmm. yep. was that situation where we went out and sat for a morning. And my my dad, he's not good at sitting. He's like, I'm getting fucking cold. Let's go. <laughs> so we walk back. We get in the truck and we're driving. We're taking the long way around back, back to town. We're going to go get some Hardee's for breakfast. And we're driving back and saw that saw a bunch of deer coming out of a, a wood lot that someone was pushing. Yep. And there's a, a good amount of deer coming out. And my dad's looking, he's like, Oh shit, that's a nice buck. So he floors it and we go and we're driving alongside these deer in this field and he f- gets ahead of them like fairly far ahead. And, mm-hmm. um, he throws me, I was like, Hey, go run down this fence line and sit there. They're coming in this field. I'm going to go down to this next one. If they dodge yep. you, then I'll be over here and maybe they'll come over by me and I'll get a shot. And he's like, there's a nice buck in there. I'm like, cool. So I go and I pop my happy ass down his fence line. I'm sitting there and I watch him drive off. And he goes and sits in his fence line. And it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 minutes or so. And I'm, I think I was 17. I think it was my, might have been my junior or senior year of high school. This is the last time I, actually, it had to be my senior year because it's the last time I hunted with my dad. But that's why it's such a special memory for me, I guess. But anyways, these deer come out, doe, doe, doe. I'm like, cool. And then here comes this fucking buck. I'm like, dang, that's a nice buck, dude. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching him. I'm like, I don't know. He's still pretty far away. I'm watching. I, we didn't hunt with range fighters back in the day, yeah, you know, I didn't either. we didn't have any of them. So I'm sitting there watching him. I'm like, oh man, that's a nice buck. 
but he's still pretty far away and he stops right in front of me broadside. But he's like, in my opinion, he's pretty far away. I was just contemplating whether or not I should take a shot or not. Mm-hmm. And then I heard my dad from the other fence sign. He just yells, shoot him. Like, <laughs> Roger that, pa. So I fucking put my, I put my gun on him. It's just a Mossberg 500 with iron sights. Yep. You know, but I'm shooting, I have a rifled barrel, which is nice. I'm shooting sabots. Mm-hmm. And I put it on him. I'm like, it's pretty far. I should give him a little, little up. So I put it probably about six to eight inches above his back. Squeeze one off, and he fucking takes off. I'm like, damn it. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I fucking rack it around, and the does are running all over the place. I'm like, goosh, I shoot another shot at the doe, and I miss. I'm like, ah, whatever. And my dad's like, he's down. I'm like, what? <laughs> you like, really? He's like, yeah, because he ran like up and over this hill. Yeah. I guess r- right when he got over that little knoll, he just he fell went down. over. <laughs> That's I'm like, awesome. what? And I, and I was sitting down. So I stood up and as I, cause it's really small, gradual, mm-hmm. just, just enough for me not to see him when I'm sitting down. I stood up and I saw a white belly. I'm like, Oh, no shit. Holy like, shit. Fuck, dude. That's awesome. My dad comes run over. He's like, Oh my gosh. Nice shot. That was awesome. And he's like, where were you sitting? I'm like, you're right over there. He's like, Fuck, that was a far shot. Like, he's like, it was a lot closer than, from my vantage point. He looked a lot closer than yeah. that. And we stepped off. It was like 134 steps from where yep. I shot. I'm like, damn. Nice <laughs> that's job, wild. Jake. That's pretty cool. But yeah, that was, a, that was a fun little story. So that's what my dad and I ended up doing. And we did some more pushing with my buddy Matt and his dad when we were yep. younger too. And so we just broke up into really small groups. We got fairly traumatized from that. It's like, gosh, I don't want to get shot at during deer. It's not worth it. And we were with a group that doesn't prioritize safety and we got in a run in with the, my uncle's group again later on is nuts but is dumb yeah. dumb shit just dumb shit but i just don't see that a whole lot anymore I, th- I think people are getting a lot more careful accidents do happen you know for sure but i had muzzleloaders and it can happen not during shotgun season you remember oh, this yeah. one uh, uh n- maybe muzzleloader season last year when i was hunting that food yes i was hunting in a tree stand during muzzleloader season on the side of a tree, I was using a like a bow arm as as a resting point. Big motherfucking pumpkin on the side of the tree. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I'm wearing a full blaze orange sweatshirt. Get out there early, hunting this corn, and like an hour before dark, and this is on a mana where there's a shitload of other people that can hunt. Like an hour before dark, here comes this fucking pickup across the field, just bah on across the field. Drives right up to the fucking field edge on the other side of the standing corn, puts it in park, gets out, gets his orange on, walks into the timber, and I'm like, what the fuck? Clear deer off the field. And I'm, I'm like, well, fuck. He's going right in where all the deer are coming from, but mm-hmm. ended up a few deer ended up coming out. Had like 13 deer come out, and actually, it was the fucking wildest thing I've ever seen. 13 year and a half old bucks in a row. Like no shit. spikes or forks, 13 of them. And they're all standing out feeding in the corn in front of me. And I'm standing there and, oh, it's a Northwest wind. So it's like a whiskey wind for me and them. Mm-hmm. And the guy, all of a sudden I'm like, oh fuck, here he comes through the timber, coming to the field edge to see what's out here. Put my binoculars up and I'm looking and he's sneaking up to the field edge. And all of a sudden I see him put his gun on a log. Like, no. I'm like, and the deer are right fucking between us. He's shooting uphill. I'm in a fucking tree stand and I'm sitting there and I'm like, ah, oh, he might just be, you know, using the scope zoom versus his, he had some itty bitty little, I could tell they were like those kids binos that are like a five zoom, Eight you know, by 30 fucking. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, he might just be using his scope and I'm looking and he's far enough away. I'm like, 
I think he put his gun down and then all of a sudden I see a fucking tuft of smoke before the sound. Whoops. And I'm like, and literally the deer are fucking straight between us. And I hear, and like literally less than 10 foot next to me, this fucking, the bullet hits the branches next to me. I hear it like tuck or tickle through the branches next Uh to me and hits the tree like five yards behind me, 10 yards or 10 feet to my right, five yards behind me. Yeah. And so my, my dad, like I said, he, he goes shotgun, but like muzzleloader and bow, he doesn't really go anymore. Mm-hmm. So he, he'll come like, if he knows where I'm hunting and he can see it from the road, he'll sit back with the spotting scope from like half a mile away and just watch Yo, just yeah. for shits and giggles, you know? And he's like, all of a sudden I hear you just scream. Cause when he fucking shot, I came the fuck unglued. Mm. I start screaming. I'm like, what the, you know, yeah. every freaking red word in the, in the book and <laughs> yeah. and he's just like oh sorry i didn't see you and i'm like do you, you even know what blind? the fuck you were shooting at and he goes well yeah those does out there oh, and i'm like geez. every fucking one of them was a buck and oh yeah i was and then here comes my dad fucking peeling ass across the field and we were fucking screaming at him and never once said sorry no shit. Yep. And I'm like, how the fuck? Well, you're in a tree. And I'm like, I'm on, I'm a fucking giant pumpkin on the side of the, I, that is the maddest I've been in my entire life. I well, yeah. about, had I not known the guy, I'm not a violent individual, individual, <laughs> but had he not been a 60 year old man that I knew personally, I'd have beat the shit out of him. I was uh, yeah. madder than hell. Dude, those are grounds of getting your fucking ass beat. And like, I'm like, are you blind? dude? I'm like, dude. Okay, let's go back to fucking hunter safety. Yeah. Know what's behind your target. Don't shoot uphill. Right? <laughs> you know? Like, you're breaking two of the first rules you're taught yeah. when, when it comes to gun safety. Know your target and what's behind it. Yeah. How about and I'm like, that? how the fuck could you not see me? I was a giant pumpkin on the side of this tree, and yeah, he never apologized. He just fucking moseyed down, and, and I fucking, I'm like, you didn't even know what the fuck you were shooting at, and blah, 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 blah. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> I was... <laughs> Dude, I'd be fucking hot too. I was fuming. Yeah, luckily when I got shot at, I was too young to get too hot. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. This, mm-hmm. this, this must, is this normal? You know. So my, but my dad getting pissed. I'm like, oh shit, maybe I should be pissed too. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, during shotgun season, you know, I've heard the whistle. You know, sure. but that's inevitable. I heard, yeah, I, heard, I would think. I heard you know? last year, but um, the guy that was shooting, he, was, he wasn't shooting anywhere even towards us. It's just we were. Within close-ish proximity. Right. So just because you hear it doesn't mean it's anywhere close or coming at you. Well, and that's but what I've it, always been told is it's the, one, it's the ones that you don't hear are the ones that kill you. Well, you know? Yeah, you're dead. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've always heard if they're, you know, they'll hit you before, you're, before you'll hear them. Yeah. So right. when you hear them, you're usually all right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that one, I, oh, oh. Well, it's close enough. And you, yeah. Well, and you saw him yeah and you I saw, saw where he was smoke shooting i knew what he was so, shooting at and yeah oh, boy yeah yeah about dumb about gutted somebody that night <laughs> dude a 50 cal fucking just flying at you like no thanks dude yeah yeah i don't know i mean i've been shot at, like hearing that crack or that in the whistle and all that stuff is like it's an unnerving sound mm-hmm. you know well, yeah, you really, you really have the experience. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. one time with a muzzleloader. You, you have a little different experience. Yeah, they're actually aiming at me. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. that's a little different. Well, it's he, still he was too, though. but not on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he didn't see you. and was like, I want to shoot that dude. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> right? Actually, he probably would have been further off 
if he was aiming at you, the yeah. sound of it, jeez. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. He didn't even like go look for blood. I mean, obviously, because I was chewing his ass. You know, he's like, I. Right. And he was like, well, they, no, they were out there. Wait. I'm like, no, they were. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. I, Not good. No. How high up in the tree were you? Uh, Probably. Well, I was four Novik sticks high. So okay. 18, 18-ish. 20, yeah. something like that. But, I mean, the, the, the hill he was shooting up, I mean, his incline was. 30 degrees uphill, probably. Jeez. So were they, were the deer just at, like the top of the hill on the no. field side or? So they were in the field and he was basically where the hill starts to come up and I was on the crest of the hill, you know, but then I was up farther okay. um, and the deer were about halfway up the hill. They were about a hundred yards from me, a hundred yards from him. Gotcha. So he missed and then just kept obviously sailing. Yeah. And yeah. Fuck man. But still it's like, there's no excuse for it. You should have known what was no. behind your target. You should have, I mean, I had. Uh, oh, another guy drove by. He texted me. He's like, "Oh, I can see you up there." And he, you know, he was a half mile away, and he could see me on right. the side of the fucking tree. Oh, shit. And he, this guy was two hundred yards. And God, yeah, and some people just need a fucking reality check. Hopefully, after chewing his ass and stuff, he learned a little bit. He's like, ah. Fuck. Well, I will. I will but say he, he didn't go. Sorry, he didn't so. go shotgun hunting this year. So well, <laughs> maybe that's it. Good. That's good. Some people probably just shouldn't go. Season, yeah. dude. Oh yeah. I like I said. I've never been that mad in my freaking life. Yeah, I'd, I'd be pissed too. That sucks. Hunting stories like that kind of blow, you know. It definitely takes the fun out of the hunt really yeah. fast. Really fast. Yeah, so. like, you know, I've hunted. This is my. This was. I think this is my twentieth season, and that's the only ever nineteen uh, season, mm-hmm. and that's the old, only instance I've had like like that. You know, and it's yeah. Not, it only takes one. You know, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's one thing, man. I wish I didn't spend so much fucking time in the army because I missed out on a lot of hunting. But yeah, got yeah. a lot of years yet though. Yeah, right. Hopefully. Got a lot of years. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh I did want to talk. So you just touched on it. So you shot trap in yeah. high school or yep. was it okay. Yep, started uh my dad we I went to Clear Creek Amana. They had a trap team back in like the early nineties. And then my dad restarted the program, um, volunteered to be the coach uh when nice. my oldest sister was a freshman. So that would have been like 2004, roughly. Um, oh, so, so she'd be a freshman. So she's like my age then. Yeah, she graduated in 07. Okay, that's 09. Yeah, so, I think yeah. she graduated. Yeah, she graduated in 07. Um, but yeah, my dad started up the team again. Um, nice. Both my sisters were state champions oh, at, nice. at one point, which back then it was a 50 bird shoot and you know for the females a a 44 out of 50 won it you know yeah right uh for the female side um yeah so i I started shooting trap like in middle school basically um Mm -hmm. went to the state shoot when i was in middle school just as a single um and like there was a few kids that did it when my sisters did it um but like it started really picking up and getting big when i was in high school Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I uh, grew up doing it and shot, you know, back, like I said, it's way different, you know. Back then it wasn't a, I mean, now it's borderline a who can shoot the most, who has the most money kind of thing, unfortunately. Yeah, but, right. you know, back then it was a 50 birds throughout the year and, you know, your best 225 scores and then 50 bird state shoot determined your champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I never was a champ, a state champion. I placed third a couple times, second once, um, and my senior year, 
we went to Sparta, Illinois, to the where the National High School Trap Shoot is held. Oh, okay. Uh, which is freaking wild. It's like That's miles of miles of trap houses. Oh no shit! Yeah, That's cool. Um, and my senior year, I placed eleventh in the nation. So that oh was pretty no cool. shit! Yeah. That's badass, dude. Yeah, That's and cool. I oh I, I shot a lot of different guns. I shot a lot of different ways. But what ended up working the best for me was um, I shot a high gun, you know, over the trap house quite a bit, and I I transitioned to shooting both eyes open, mm-hmm. um, which was a fucking struggle. You know, I went from shooting like consistent 23s and fours mm-hmm. out of 25 and i you know i i never really had a coach other than my dad and I, quite honestly my dad chewed my ass because he's like if you'd have practiced more you'd have fucking been a state champion yeah. but i was like ah, I just, yeah yeah you know i have just like the natural aspect you know i'm 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 good as i am i don't really want to shoot more than i have to you know it's like <laughs> i said i've never really been a gun guy but yeah um i switched to that i went from shooting like 23s and fours to like tens like fell off the face of the fucking earth. But the little bit of other coaching I had was from one of my dad's friends who competitively shoots trap still. And he was like shooting a high gun, two eyes open. We'll take you to the next level. And he told me, he was like, it's going to fucking blow. Like teaching yeah. yourself how to do it, being a one eyed shooter your whole life. It's going to fucking blow. Like, yeah. When you say high gun, you're talking like trap grade sights, right? Where, no, I'm aiming. So aiming above the trap house, like, Oh, like aiming gotcha. at the level you want to pull the trigger. Oh yeah. yeah you know, yeah. so you don't have to come up to the bird much, you know, you do a little right bit, yep. but you know, you don't have, to, there's not much movement, you know, you're shooting quick. You're, you know, so that's the same way as you, I, I always shot low. I, I pointed like right at the top of the trap house. So right when I saw the bird, which you could come up through it. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that's how I was up until like my junior year. And then I worked with this guy a little bit. And like I said, I went from shooting like 23s and fours to tens mm-hmm. just cause it was like, both eyes were, you know, I'd never What's done it. On? Both eyes were fucking, yeah. no, use me, no, use look me. Like, look at an iguana out there. Yeah. Wow. But, but when I, um, when it clicked, it was like 24s, fives, you know, mm-hmm. nonstop. Um, like if you pulled one, you're like, fuck. Yeah. How'd that happen? And my, my, my thing, I had, uh, you know, quite a few fifties. Um, my biggest thing was I would miss the first bird out of the house. Nah, I would miss the first one and I'd run the next 49. Yep. And my, it became like a fucking stupid thing. Like before I'd go out, my dad would be like, Hey, don't fucking miss the first one. I'd miss the fucking first one. <laughs> and that, that, that was my one biggest struggle was I always miss the first bird. Always. It was, it was just nerves at that point, which honestly it shouldn't have been because I'd done it so much. Yeah. That, you know, I shouldn't have really had nerves, but I, something I don't fucking know, but I'd always miss the first one. And then I'd be like, well, got that one out of the way. Now I can get the rest of them. <laughs> you know? What kind of uh, shotgun did you use? Um, I shot an SKB towards the end. SKB. Okay. Or, uh, uh, fuck. Mm, I don't remember. I told you I'm not a gun guy. <laughs> it was, was a it? single shot trap gun. Okay. Yeah. So it had the trap grade sights, which are a little bit higher. Uh, it was not much. I mean, it, not much. It was basically a single shot break break open right, shotgun right. design yeah so, but it, a little bit higher the, rib not uh, crazy though okay. i was gonna say well just the front sight post is a little bit taller than like your field mm-hmm. gun right yes okay because like the benefit of those is that you're ne- you're never covering up the bird when you're shooting them mm-hmm. you're staying right below the bird so you're yeah. seeing the bird the entire time which the yeah. funny thing is is you know even to this day when i pick up my trap gun and even when i bird hunt i don't bird hunt a lot anymore but i couldn't tell you where the end of my barrel is yeah you know, it's just like 
it's instinctive. It's instinctive. It's, I don't, I don't look at my gun. I just know my guns where I need to be. Yep. And I just, I look at the bird and I know my barrels there, you know? Yep. Well, it's, it's like shooting traditional archery when you're yeah shooting birds and you know leads and all that stuff it's like you're just keeping your eye on the target and you're just trusting your swing at that point right mm-hmm. um i know like with waterfowl and stuff it's a little bit different especially when you're shooting like varied distances you have to quickly judge the distance of the bird and how far you need to lead it so it's a little bit different than shooting like yeah trap and yeah where you know like, you're about gonna be pheasants. at the same distance yeah. yeah like pheasants it's like pheasants are much more similar to shooting trap i guess mm-hmm. than it is like waterfowl and yep. shit but uh, the way I always shot, I just used my Mossberg 500 the whole time. But I also went to state when I did it. But our trap team didn't get started up until I was a junior. Yeah. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to shoot guns. Fuck yeah. yeah. School right. shoot. Yeah, it's great. And I went to state my senior year. Um, but I was shooting, yeah, I was shooting pretty much the same, like 48s, 48 to 50 was my general score. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I didn't, wasn't super consi- consistent with my 50s, but when I was on, I was like, I'm shattering those birds yeah. every time like this is awesome that's how i was when i missed yeah. it was by a fucking mile and i knew yep. it before i pulled the trigger but yep. almost every bird especially when i went to the high gun because i got on them so quick my pattern yep. was smaller they was dust i mean yep and that's the thing is like i i realized too and my coach also told me because my dad didn't really coach me much he, the way he shot birds and running deer and stuff too he never swung through he'd always just post pull. yep watch 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 pull yep so he's a lot better at shooting like further shots even which is interesting but I started getting really good at shooting them fast. Like that was my yep. goal. It's like I want to shoot them on the rise rather than at the peak or the fall. Right. Right. Like when they start falling, it's so hard. It's so hard oh, to shoot yeah. them when they're falling. Um, like that's why that game knockout is so much fun because like you, when you try to knock someone out, you oh, make yeah, some yeah. pretty impressive shots. Yeah. To get them on their way down, but uh, man, fucking. I'd try to blast them like right away. Yeah. So, I was a I was a snap shooter too. I was pretty quick. Like, I I never shot a high gun. Like I was never above the trap house. I was I was right at the right at the mouth of it basically. Yep. And right when I saw the bird, I'd be like whoosh. Yeah. Try to swing shoot as fast as I can. Yeah. So the high gun, it kind of you you kind of have to shoot two eyes basically because your off eye yeah. picks the bird up as it comes out and then it meshes. It's like I said, it it's sucks. And I so where I live, you know, they've got a, a smaller school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told the trap coach, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to help. You know, I, I was just talking to him about my past and how I shot trap. And I was like, I don't have time to dedicate to being a coach. Cause he asked me, he was like, do you want to like be a co-coach with me? And I said, I don't have the time to do that. I said, but you know, if you ever, you know, want me to come help and like look at kids and help that sounded really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I want to go check these kids out sometime. <laughs> like, I'll come look at some children with you. <laughs> like help them, you know? Um, yeah, right. And he right. goes, I Put do. Your ass he's like, it. I do have one kid that I need you to talk to. And I'm like, oh yeah. He goes, she's my best shooter, but I've told her time and time again, she needs to shoot two eyes open and a high gun. And we talked about that. Him and I had talked about mm-hmm. what we just talked about. And he goes, I need you to talk to her because she's really good, but that will make her next level good. And she's right. tried it and fell on her face. Yep. So she quit. So I, you know, I had a big, long conversation with her and I actually saw her at Sawyer's Christmas concert yesterday. I said, how's high gun going? She goes, well, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, did you quit? Quit trying it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm telling you, stick with Dude, it. And that was the same. Th- my coach told me the same shit. I remember he, he didn't use high gun. He, I guess, well, that specific phrase, he just said, hold, hold high, high yep. and shoot with both eyes open. 
that's how you train, like coach everybody, but I can't do it. I just can't shoot both eyes open. I never could. It's because I'm right-handed and left-eye dominant. Oh, yeah. Fucked. So my sister. Super fucked. But I just refuse to shoot left-handed because, for one, rifles and shotguns and everything aren't made for Built lefties. For right-handers. It's so hard. Yep. And also, on top of it all, I've just been, I became so good at shooting whatever gun I'm trying to shoot, whether it's handgun, rifle, or shotgun. With just my left eye closed. And it just got to the point where I'm like, um, during trap, like my eye, my left eye would get fatigued from holding it closed and shooting so much. And I just started putting tape over my left lens. Yep. And just shooting both eyes open, but it's obstructed. So yep. my right eye would take over. <clears throat> it's funny. My sister, um, Alyssa, she is, was right handed, left eye dominant. And my dad did not know that she was left eye dominant. Mm-hmm. And he noticed she'd be like really cranking her head to the side when she was shooting. And he was like, what are you doing? What's wrong She's like, you? Well, I'm, I'm shooting out of my left eye. He goes, what do you mean you're shooting out of your left eye? And she was that this was her freshman year. And she was breaking like five, seven, 10, mm-hmm. you know, switched to left-handed and like instantly went. Oh yeah. To the freaking moon, you know? Yep. I need to do it, especially with my handgun shooting. I, I should just do that. Cause yeah. whenever I hold it, I, Pull up with my handgun and shoot left-handed. I'm like, that's right there, dude. <laughs> why, why, why am I... Especially with, especially with handguns. Like, I should just learn how to shoot left-handed. Yeah. I should probably just do that this year. This summer, I should just dedicate to shooting left-handed and just get good at that. And yeah. just start with a handgun and move on from there. But, uh, I don't know, my dad... He, we did the whole eye dominance thing. You know, put the triangle mm-hmm. up and that kind of thing. When I do that, I can, like, put it out and it's like my right eye. Good, but when I put a gun up, pull a gun up or something like that, it's always it's always all fucked up. So I just have to, I just close my left eye, and I made it all throughout basic training and the army and all that stuff. I got yelled at millions of times for shooting with my left eye closed. So I just got stinkier with shooting with my left eye closed. Yep. Um, it, it it's just I don't know. I should have just learned from a younger age and just not been such a douche. But like <laughs> the whole the whole time during trap shooting too. I'm just like, I just kept telling my coach, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Because so I shoot with both eyes, o- both eyes open, I just fuck everything up. And then he told me, he's like, oh, yeah. And then we figured out I'm left eye dominant. He's like, oh, you just need to shoot left-handed. Like, not going to happen, <laughs> nope. bud. Not going to happen. <laughs> nope, sorry. I'm like, I'm just not willing to take that step back. Yeah. So I'll just keep shooting the way I'm shooting. See, and it's funny because when I do the the whole hand thing, I'm, according to that, I'm left eye dominant. But I always shot mm-hmm. left eye closed, right-handed. Um mm-hmm. But I will say when I went to the two eyes open, now I shoot everything, both eyes open, not yeah. just trap, everything. And I will say once I learned how to do it, obviously my trap shooting got better, but my archery shooting, my shotgun what shooting. What is it with archery shooting, dude? Why? Everything, Why do people say that? It's I don't know. better. Everything. I, I don't know. Because to me, it doesn't make sense. There's more shit you can see, more stuff to obstruct your view. But when I like when learned to shoot two eyes, I got better with every single weapon I shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm a better shot now that I shoot two eyes open. Yeah. I, I don't I, know why. I understand it when you're trying to shoot fast, when you're rifle shooting with a red dot, especially, and you're just, you know, CQB type stuff. 100% understand the point of shooting both eyes open fast, right? Mm-hmm. Or when you're shooting birds. Yeah. I, I totally understand that because you can, your brain can collect all that data and make it more instinctual. Yep. I totally quicker. get, I totally get that. But when you're rifle shooting, one, you know, shooting a dot out a longer distance with, you know, sights. And you have the time to line everything up. 
I don't understand why it'd be better to shoot with both eyes open that way. And I don't understand why it'd be better to shoot archery with both eyes open. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, it doesn't make say, sense to me either, but I am a better shot. <laughs> yeah, people say that's better, but I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, I'm pretty dang good. Like, I'm good enough. I'm not mm-hmm. fucking Levi Morgan. Right. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I'm yeah. a pretty competent shot with my archery equipment. I just don't understand how shooting both eyes open with archery would matter because you're shooting one, pro- one projectile into one spot. Yeah. And it's funny because... Like when I shoot my bow, I shoot with both eyes open. And like before I shoot, I like slightly close my left eye to like clear mm-hmm. the picture up and there's not as much stuff. But then before I squeeze off, I open my left eye again. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've, ever since I've Weird. done it, I don't know why. It's it just like is – I don't mean to do it. My uh-huh. left eye just kind of like just does it. slowly closes and then opens back up. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's like to make a – yeah. I can say. When I shoot traditional, when I shoot my longbow and shit, mm-hmm. I shoot with both eyes open. Yep. But that's because of that thing where you're shooting instinctual, you're just hyper-focused on the spot you're trying to hit. So you want both eyes so you can collect all the data and you make that yep. make that shot, right? Um, but yeah, when I'm shooting my compound, peep sight and a fucking a, a bow sight, a peep and a bow, yep. a, peep, a peep and a sight, it's like, I just don't see the problem with shooting with one eye closed, all right? No. I, I but everyone says it's better. So. Yeah. I, like I say, I don't know the science behind it, but. It made yeah. me a lot better. I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to do that, though. And it's funny. I'll shoot, I'll like, shoot a handgun left-handed, but I'm not going to shoot my bow left-handed. Yeah. No. no. It's funny because, like, with my bow, I don't even I don't even realize I'm looking through my peep 90% of the time. You know, I've got – I'm a three-anchor. Yep. You know, I use a nose button. I use the corner of my mouth mm. and my knuckles into my back point of my chin. Mm-hmm. And I, I just yeah. know that – I'm right there with my my three. If my three anchor points are in the correct point, mm-hmm. I know that I'm looking through my peep. So I don't even like I say. I think you could take my peep out, and I I think I would shoot the same. A lot of old school guys used to do that. Yeah, I, I grew up without a peep sight. Yeah, just looking across like through the string. Yep, through the string. Having anchor that. points and looking through the string. Yep, I would never do it again. But <laughs> <laughs> right, well, why would you? Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to shoot 50 yards like that. So <laughs> right. Um. Oh, I was going to say something else. Oh, I've never been able to do that per se when I'm shooting my compound though, because I've never had a compound that actually fits my draw length. Which wow. is yeah. What are you like, thirty-two? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, and that's probably why I shoot with a, uh, four finger. Oh, a just cal- a caliper. Uh, caliper. Yep. Fucking. So you can extend your draw length, basically. Well, that too, but it's like, um, God bless America. But when I'm drawing back, I pull it back, you know, and I, I use kind of similar, like I. I use the string to my nose. I don't have a nose button. I yep. just feel it like touch the tip of my nose. I'm like, okay, there we are. And I put my hand underneath my cheekbone because mm-hmm. I can't come all the way back because like the yep. bow doesn't fit me technically like that. So <laughs> I, I come back to like my cheekbone and I just basically put my knuckle on my cheekbone because that's where I have to be. Yep. I'm shooting out. My bow only goes out to 31 and a half inches. So I'm like, if I had the extra half inch what, factor. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I measured, I just did the, you know, wingspan divided by two and a half. Right. Yep. Um, I did that and I came out to be 31.75. So I'm actually 31 yeah. three quarter, but <laughs> I'm like, I, I feel like I'd be able to shoot a 32 inch bow better. Cause when I shoot my, that's why I like to shoot my longbow so much. Cause when I draw my longbow back, I'm coming all the way back to my cheekbone with my fingers. So my knock point is actually all the way back to my cheekbone. Mm-hmm. Right. My compound, my knock point is actually 
like in front of my mouth. So I can't oh, even really? feel like I don't even feel the arrow huh. on my compound touch my face because I know some people do that. Like, oh yeah, when I feel all that and it's yeah. where it's needed to be. And like my compound just doesn't go that far. I shoot in elite terrain, <laughs> goes out to thirty one and a half. I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's a little bit short, but it's not. It's still doable. I still right. shoots a lot better than my. I have that. I was shooting with that Bowtech carbon icon before. That only goes to 30. So I just had a super long D loop on it. Yeah. <laughs> that was my fix for that. But. I shoot a, I shoot a half inch short of what I should. Yeah. For my draw length. And that's when I was a kid, I always had uh, that guy I filmed for. Mm-hmm. He would always give me a hand me down bow and he was a oh, half yeah. inch shorter draw length than me. Mm-hmm. So it's just how I shoot. I just shoot a short, short draw length from what I'm supposed to and just bend my elbow a little more. Oh, sure. Yep. I mean, stability wise, it's probably not the way to go, but yeah, I can put, six arrows in a softball at 70 yards. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it was sure. for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, cause you shoot a thumb button. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That made a fuck of a big difference when I went to a thumb button for accuracy. Dude, I should probably try it again. I, I bought one cheaper thumb button. I tried shooting it and I sent too many arrows to Jesus. I'm like, I'm doing that. <laughs> I bought a cheap, fuck like this. true ball, like, like pincher type. Yep, That's why I had to, um, and I shot better from a caliper to that. But then I went to like a, I don't remember which one I shoot, uh, the snaps, um, true fire snaps. I think it's like, it's like a a hook closing hook one. Mm -hmm. And then it was a whole nother step of accuracy on top of that too. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I like it. Made me a way better shooter. Yeah. I went to the, I'm still shooting, um, just a trigger finger release and I shoot the Scott ghost, Mm -hmm. which is the single hook. Yep. And that, fucker is crisp I yeah love that i love that single yeah same single concept hook. as yep. mine but yep. on the caliper yep and i like that a lot and i i shoot that fucker really well so i, don't, I just haven't had a really i haven't had a reason to change because i'm shooting I, I always shot good with it yeah but i do want to get a thumb button really bad just to see how much better like if, if my groups if my groups shrink up like you know even 10 percent tighter mm-hmm. I, that'd be great well and for me um, what it was for me was I was, um, I was going on a mule deer hunt in Nebraska and the guy was like, yeah, you probably need to be able to shoot decently far. And my, um, farthest I can shoot in my yard, 72 yards and my groups at 72 were just absolute trash. Oh, really? Um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I, and I did two things. I did a sidebar, added a sidebar to my bow. Mm. Um, but was still shooting my caliper and that helped a little bit cause it stopped my wander of my sight. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. it so- solid me up, solidified me, I guess. I don't know. Um, steadied, steadied there me up. That's- <laughs> <laughs> it solidified me. Yes. I like that. It's, um, you know, steadied me up, but I was still not shooting the greatest. Um, and then once I went to that thumb button, it was just night and day difference. So you're, what, what are your groups at 70 yards now? You're saying, uh, softball i mean if i get a no wind type of day where i don't have any wind variance i can Mm -hmm. soft you know i can put six arrows in the softball at 72 yeah mine's that mine's like the middle part of a pie plate yeah which i mean not much bigger really a little bit bigger but i mean if i could shrink it down like 10 percent, even that'd be worth it for sure yeah i just i 
<laughs> like I said, I sent, sent too many arrows. Jesus sounds like, I'm not doing this. This yeah. fucking sucks. It was a lot arrows to are learn. not cheap, so I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I tightened it down. Like, I torqued it down. So I'm like, I need to really push it in order to have it go off. And then I was just, I was collapsing really hard. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, there it goes. I'm like, what am I doing? Oh, what am I doing? I sent one into the ground. I'm like, fuck me. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? So I tight, like loosened it up a little bit more. And then, was, I don't know. It was... Well, that's I should go to a controlled range at a close and close. And the right? thing with the thumb button is, is I know a lot of people that shoot them but don't shoot them. And I'm not a bow expert by any. I'm not. I'm not a gun or a bow expert. I was just I'm say, proficient. I'm like, what are you, Lee? <laughs> I'm proficient like, with my equipment. <laughs> I don't know much <laughs> detail about it, but I yeah. know I can shoot it. Um, but I I do know that a lot of people who shoot thumb buttons shoot them incorrectly. Yes. They're called a thumb button, but you really shouldn't be using your thumb to actually set it off. It's more like a in your palm type of thing. Uh-huh. To like for a, from a stability standpoint and like accuracy cuz you can still punch with, you know, the oh, whole yeah. part of my reason was to get away from a trigger a trigger slap. That's mm. why I went to it. Well, I started off by shooting with like the tip of my thumb. Well, you can still slap the trigger with the tip of your thumb. So I actually, the way I set mine up is I put it into like the meat of my thumb is where my trigger is. And I, I squeeze my hand. Mm-hmm. So I go like this and it puts pressure and makes, makes it go off. So wow. I don't actually move my thumb at all. Even though it's a thumb button, I Correct. shoot it more like a, a hinge release sure. basically. I've I've heard that from people before too. Like, yeah, you can still punch a thumb button, you know. So mm-hmm. then they go into a back tension release where you can't punch it like that. But yep. then, if you're gonna, if, if a person wants to punch, they can punch. Yep. Even with a back tension, you can figure out how to punch it with yeah. your back. Just snap it real quick. But, and that's why I shoot a thumb button. I try to hinge, but I hate it. Yeah. And I do think it is important to potentially be able to punch a trigger in the right situation. If you have to, yes, there are situations, you know, accuracy, you'll, you'll, you'll lose a little bit on accuracy, but there are situations where you might need to punch a trigger. Yep. So that's why I shoot a thumb because I can still, if I have to, I can, you know, really like make a huge grip, like a tight grip really fast and bring my thumb back into it and punch the quote unquote, punch the Mm -hmm. trigger. If I have to, you're still going to shoot pretty accurately that way. Yeah. As long as you're not, that's not your, your thing. Right. Once you get used to doing that all the time like that, mm-hmm. then that's when it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. But like when I shoot my um, finger uh, trigger, what are they called? Caliper? Caliper. Okay. When I shoot my caliper, see, I'm not a fucking bow expert <laughs> either. When I shoot my uh, caliper release, the way I have it set up is I have it set up to the, the middle. In the meat. The, the middle, um, the second, my second joint, right? So that's also like when I'm shooting rifles, especially combat rifles, like an AR-15. I'm trying to shoot fast. That's where I shoot it. Right. Mm-hmm. When I'm shooting a precision rifle, it's the tip of my finger. I'm just creeping it straight back and pop. Right. But when I'm shooting fast, it's the mm-hmm. second, the second pad of my yep. trigger finger. Right. So that's how I have my um, caliper really set up. Is I have it set up on that second pad. I bring it back like this, almost like a my hands are claw. I'm not like this. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that. I'm like I'm wrapping it around. I feel the trigger. And I feel it, I'm going back and I get set and I feel a back tension and I'm not like really pulling my finger. I'm just like squeezing. I'm just, yeah, I'm just pulling back my back. And as I, when I get fully engaged my back, it just goes off. So it's like my finger is set in that spot, but I put my finger around one of my elbows basically here. And if you guys could see this, it would make a lot more (laughs) sense. But uh, basically my elbow is just a little bit further back than when I, as I reach back tension, then it kind of just settles in and I'm not really like... Yeah, I'm not pulling my finger really at yep. all. I'm just maybe very slightly, but I'm not focused on that necessarily. I'm mm-hmm. focused on the target, right? So I get set up, 
and I'm very target focused just because that's what I've learned from when I'm shooting my yeah. my longbow and stuff. Is be very target focused. That helps dramatically with my compound shooting too. I draw back with my compound, level the bubble, pin, peep, target, cool. And after I get uh, after that aiming sequence is done, then I'm just focused on holding, 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 and focusing on the target. And I so I focus on the pin. Until I get it where I want it on the target, right? Yep. And then I move past the pin and onto the target, so the pin's kind of blurred. I just hold. Yep. And then I just go through my shot sequence, right? And I'm fucking pulling, 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 doosh, and it goes off, right? But if I do need to shoot fast, I can still rip that fucker back, not, not have my finger on the trigger, rip it back, put the pin on it, squeeze it off. Yeah. And I'm still going to be good at it, as long as it's like sub 30, right? You were talking about your aiming thing there. I think, you know how you aim with your bow? When I went to two eyes, it seems like and I don't know. It's weird, but like, it seems like even when I squeeze off and I'm like, Oh fuck, that's not where I should have been, but I'm focusing on the target. It just seems to me like the arrow goes there, Yeah, you know? And I don't know why, you know, cause like I'll, I'll squeeze off and I'll, the arrow, the bow will break. And I'm like, Oh fuck. I was an inch and a half, right. Or, you know, yep. shooting at 20, just, you know, working on my dead nuts right there. He's fucked kind of range. Sure. And I'm like, oh shit, I was on the right side, and it just seems like the arrow goes in the middle, and it's you know yep. that's that changed for me when I went to the two eye thing. Well, maybe that's why it's better to go two eyes because you're you're more instinctual, so you're gonna because what a lot of competition archers and shit say too is like you have to learn to get comfortable with the pin float because the mm-hmm. pin's gonna move right. Yep. But how quickly that pin comes back to center is what you're going for, right? Yeah. So if you're Shooting your pins doing this, like the X is right there. Your pins going to like like two o'clock to eight o'clock to nine o'clock. You know, mm-hmm. but um, when you if you're staying up there and then coming back and then staying down there and then coming back, and then you know, the slower it is, the more the less accurate you're going to be. The faster it moves, and honestly comes back to yep. zero, comes back to that X the more accurate you're going to be. So once you get comfortable with that pin float and you're just focused on the target, your brain's going to want to bring that pin back faster mm-hmm. to that X, right? Yep. Or to that, yeah, that makes precise sense. spot. Um, Joel Turner talks about that a lot with his shot IQ type shit. Um, and it makes a lot of sense where it's like when you're target focused, your brain's just going to make your hand stay Go there and just kind of put that pin in the middle as much as it possibly can. Cause yeah, you can't ever hold completely solid all the time yep. right? where it's not moving, you, but it's, it's going to be moving around, but it's going to come back to center hmm. way more frequently. So your, sense. so your error, your room for error is going to be a lot smaller, I guess. Hmm. So that's why I shoot guns too. Like when I'm long range shooting too, I do the same process where I'm like, okay, fucking target, put my gun down aim through the scope okay got it lined up on the target now i'm moving through my scope and not back on i'm back on where i want to hit that thing on yep. the target and i'm just using that reticle as a reference mm-hmm. i'm not really focused on the reticle and try to hold it straight there i'm just focusing on the target do my breathing and <sighs> bottom of my breath because that's where it's most stable and mm-hmm. squeeze it off <laughs> and when you're shooting a gun you're obviously going to be more gun like trigger commanded because yeah. with archery you're you know doing all this other shit but when you're shooting a gun especially when you're shooting longer range 
you really want to shoot on the bottom of your breath because that's where you're at your absolute most stable. Mm-hmm. And you do kind of have to make that gun go off by squeezing, but you're squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. You know it's going to go off. So you're just like, it's almost like, I guess, shooting uh, like a hinge with a clicker with when you're shooting a gun kind of thing where you're pulling the slack out of the trigger and you're like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Doosh, and it goes off. Like, you know it's going to go off, but it's still a surprise every time. Yep. But it's like, you're getting that surprise shot, but you're making it go off when you're just pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. But you need to shoot it off within a certain amount of time. Otherwise you run out of breath and you're like, yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> gotta no, start no, again. No, I'm off the fucking target. You have to start the whole process yeah. all over again. And it sucks. <laughs> so you really want it to go off the first time. Yeah. Like snipers, when they're shooting, they have their spotter, they have their spotter and they're, they're on the target and the snipers on the target and the spiral say, shooter ready. And then the shooter will say, ready you'll say fire 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 so you basically ten, you get about 10 seconds and if you don't fire within that 10 seconds it's like all right re- require yep. target yep shooter ready shooter ready fire <laughs> fire fire boom good hit nice that's <laughs> that that whole trigger pull thing's funny like a fun fun thought in my mind because like you know, as now I, I shoot my AR and I shoot my smokeless, they have really fine triggers, not a lot of travel yep, and pretty quick reacting triggers. Well, it's like a, a thing my dad and I do Thanksgiving every year. We just go shoot the shotguns to make sure they're still on. They're on every year, you know, <laughs> but it's just in case. Yep. And <clears throat> like the last couple of years, I hadn't been able to do it. So, um, but this year, you know, I grabbed my dad's shotgun and I'm like, Pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And I'm like, part of me is like, when the fuck is it? Kaboom! Yeah. Like, oh, there it is. Like, Holy smokes. Yeah. I was say, my my rifle trigger, it's just a, it's a single stage trigger. So it's just like, you know, pressure and then go off. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of guys that like two stage triggers. Um, just, so do you know the difference between a single stage and a two stage? No. So <laughs> I didn't figure so. But I had to ask. I didn't want to insult your intelligence. But. <laughs> So I guess a two-stage trigger is basically when you're – when you purposely – it has a lot of slack in it. Mm-hmm. So you pull to the back wall yep. and it's like – and it's crisp, right? Yep. When you have that slack, it's almost like – it's almost like a like it, shot initiation type mm-hmm. situation. So you're pulling the slack out and you feel that back wall and then it's just like crisp. But a lot of people like that two-stage trigger because – um, that pulling the slack back mentally prepares gets, like, you. Prepares. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're, we're doing this thing and pulls it back. They feel that back wall. And then right when they feel that back wall, it's like, boom, it's going off. So you have that kind of play in yep. the trigger in order to mentally establish yourself. And you can pull it back pretty quick. And then you that back wall, that wall is pretty firm. And yep. then it just goes off. And it's really light from there. See, but. even my dad's, so he shoots like a, a ben- just some, a Benelli. I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a supernova but it's like it's pretty light it's i'm sure it's a two stage but it's pretty light and then it gets heavy but even when, when it got heavy it's like a lot of travel yet before it would go oh, off yeah um and like my smokeless i saw, shot it the other day to make sure it was still on and it was like i barely tapped the trigger and it's like boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, <holy> shit. yeah <sighs> i know some guys really like a really really light single stage trigger just because i like, like it yeah and it's, honestly, a lot of it's just because like they can have their finger off the trigger, and then when they're they're on it, then it's just like barely tap. That's that's how my smokeless is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you barely touch it. Yeah, it, just, it doesn't give you that it, as much room to play to get it off. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I like 
I'm more along the lines of I like a like a probably like a six ish pound pull mm-hmm. where it's like you can feel it. I'd like to feel the trigger before I'm ready to engage. I guess before yep. I want to go, I don't want to be off the trigger. Then just like boom, and it goes off. I like to touch the trigger and feel like that tension, and then it just goes off. Right. So I like a little bit of poundage there to yep. feel the trigger first, and let it really get into my finger because I feel like when you just kind of tap it, it can you can tap the trigger here, or you can touch it here, or you can touch it there. It's like if I can feel the trigger first, and that's what the the two state triggers are nice. Mm-hmm. You can feel the trigger the whole time, so you know it's in the exact same spot every single time. If you're just like a really light trigger and you just kind of tap it, you can tap it over here, and you can just bring it off just a little bit, yep. depending on where you're touching it with your finger. Yeah, and I think. You know, up until these last two guns, I've always had, you know, what I would say are two stage and heavy triggers. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, after having these two, I think I like a light trigger, and I think it stems back to I'm a really bad trigger puncher. Yeah, um, which is why I went away from a caliper. And actually, you know, I didn't even think about this while we were talking about trap shooting, but I shot with my my middle finger was my trigger finger oh, when I shot it. trap uh-huh. because it it would. It was harder for me to punch the trigger, which ah. even on trap shooting, you're like, ah, oh, it shouldn't make a difference. But I would, I would short shoot, you know, before mm-hmm. I was ready because I'd slap the trigger. So I, I switched to shooting with my middle finger as my mm-hmm. trigger finger because it made me, you know, I yep. not as quick and reactive with my middle finger. Yep. Um, so I think that's probably why I like that barely have to touch it and go off thing because it doesn't give me a chance to punch the trigger if that you know just, that makes sense in my mind i guess it, no 100 percent doesn't that most of the guys that i know that like a really light trigger that's exactly why because they are they, like they don't like the to, they don't like to admit it but they're they punch it mm-hmm. right and when you have a really light trigger it takes that variable out of it where yep. right when you touch it, it's going off so mm-hmm. it doesn't give you that that chance to like move to it flinch. way off target yep you can still do it yeah so it's not it's it's a band aid, in my opinion. It's a band aid. It's like it's kind of like uh, hey, I'm here for it. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same concept as like if you're uh, a trigger puncher with archery. Mm-hmm. If you have a caliper release and you're just punching the fuck out of it, and you go to a thumb button, and you're still punching the fuck out. Of it, and then you go to hinge. It's like that hinge really is like it's a band aid. It's a training aid to teach oh, you yeah. like, how it should feel. And then you should, in my opinion, you should be able to go back to like a thumb button or a caliper release, yep. a, a more of a command release situation um but it's the same with guns people that put really light triggers on their guns it's because yeah it's whether they like to admit it or not you admit it which is great um yeah. it's like you you're a trigger puncher you get it's a form of target panic behind a gun mm-hmm. like i like light trigger because then i can just touch it and i yep. don't you know less variable it's like okay i maybe that's why i never encountered haven't haven't encountered target panic yet with my archery shot because I've just shot guns so much and I have learned to really enjoy like a little bit heavier trigger pull because I like to get settled in. Mm-hmm. And I tell my buddy that this all the time, like, dude, you wait all year for this. Like he gets, he gets, um, some buck fever, maybe some target panic issues going on, especially when there's an animal in front of him, whether it's a gun or a bow. Um, I, I told him one time, like, dude, you know, it's like we wait all year. We look forward to this opportunity all year. And when you get that, that opportunity, like, don't rush through it. Yeah. And it's all part of the process. You know, like, when you get to full draw on that deer, like, settle in. Enjoy this part because it's so short. Like, you look forward to this moment. You get to full draw. You bend limbs back and you're like, you sh- that should be a- when we pull your bow back or you get behind your gun. That's the point where you should be the most confident in yourself, right? Because this is the moment. This is the 
the the two yard line of the Super Bowl. Yep. You know, it's like you look forward to this moment your whole year. You're looking forward to this moment. Like, don't rush it. Like, enjoy this moment. Like, really focus. Take your time. Really focus in and just settle in and enjoy that process and make a good shot kind of deal. And I don't know if it helps or not, but it helps my head. That's yeah. what I, when I think about when I have a deer coming in or something like that, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, don't rush it. Don't rush it. Enjoy this. Like, enjoy this part because it's, this is the part that we all look forward to. Everything starts happening. The deer comes in. You made the right decisions. You're in the right spot. He's coming in on a string or he's coming down the trail that you're fucking targeting. It's like that time is like I like to try it my hardest to slow everything down because I'm like I want to enjoy this process. You know, and then yep. everything else falls in. The arrow goes off. You can see where it actually hits rather than be like, ah, it went off. Like, holy fuck. I don't know what well, happened. I don't know. I don't know. Where'd you hit it? Like, I don't know. Okay. How do you react when you shot? Like, I don't know. Did you actually hit him? Uh, yeah, I did. Like, okay. <laughs> yep, I hit him high. No man's land. Not going to look for blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. This is my two cents on that. But Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But, hey, dude, we're at almost three hours. Holy shit, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we should probably cause. you got to head home yet. Or, yep. I don't know. I mean, you're all going to stay here too. Nah, I'll drive home. Yeah. It ain't. So I don't even know what too time bad. it is. 9.30. Fucking 9.30. I can't believe it's been almost three hours. It yeah. doesn't seem like that. Dude, time flies when you're doing this. That's why yeah. this is so much fun. I so. don't know. You know, most of the episodes I'm on are with the whole crew. So I like one-on-ones. It's fun to like get on your tangents and not really like, I mean, we had an idea of what we were going to talk about, but mm-hmm. I like these just kind of let it go where it goes and jump all over the place. And yeah. listeners are probably like, these guys are fucking all over the place (laughs) maybe but i mean that's how conversations go and i still think that we i mean you still get the whole point across i think eventually but those rabbit holes are fun i like exploring rabbit holes dude yes you know for sure that's what makes a three-hour long podcast fun to listen to and fun to do so right yeah man but i really do appreciate you coming in actually coming here to my little studio here i like it (laughs) that's cozy it's nice for two people like you're saying so but no, Lee, I really do appreciate you coming in, man. Do you have any parting wisdom for the people? Oh, uh, no, not really. Um, <laughs> like I said, don't know much about guns. Can't can't <laughs> say much there. But I mean, deer season wise, we're you know we're getting down to the wire. Last month for most states, um, if we would ever get the fucking weather, you know, hunt the food. But <laughs> yeah, so much for that. I looked. I mean, up till like. December 28th. I don't think we have a day. There's one day under like 40 degrees. So it's nuts. Not going to be a much of a late season. I don't think, but no, mm-hmm. other than that, I appreciate you having me on and yeah, dude. finally jumping on Victor drive and yeah. talking guns and yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. I appreciate you bringing him in. It was yeah. cool. You'd be able to see him in person. You see the pictures and they're cool, but it's like when you actually get a hold of him, you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. He is heavy. And yeah. like, all the little intricacies and stuff is nice. So that you can't see on the pictures. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, all right guys, appreciate it. Um, I guys we'll fucking see you next week. So <laughs> Bye. I, I still don't have a good sign off. So <laughs> we're just going to go with that. <laughs>